This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everybody, happy Monday! I hope hopefully you had a nice Easter. Uh, if you're an Orthodox Christian, this was Orthodox Easter, and so I know our owner and his family are all uh, Orthodox, you know, Greek Orthodox, but Russian Orthodox, Ukrainian Orthodox. Everybody celebrated Easter. If you're a member of the Orthodox Church this weekend. Uh, but uh, for those of us that are non-Orthodox Christians, then we had our Easter last weekend. Uh, well, we had some nice weather this weekend, which was uh, awfully, awfully nice. And uh, it has – it's really great to be back, though. It seems like the weekend just flew by. It was great to be able to spend some time with friends and with family. But it seems like uh, I left here just hours ago. I feel like it was yesterday. All right. A lot of things we're going to get to today here. Uh, I have to begin. Sometimes I pronounce my name Frank Morano. That's the way I pronounce it. Now, my surname is Italian, but a lot of people have asked, why don't you say Morano? Because I guess the proper Italian pronunciation would be Morano. And the answer is as simple as it is boring. Because both my parents... They pronounce our last name as Morano, not Morano. But I answered to Morano, fine. I answered a moron and whatever. So I had to do a lot of soul searching this week when I received the following email Saturday afternoon from a listener named Michelangelo. Let me read you this email. I know we usually go through the email on Tuesday, but let me read it for you. Dear Frank. Love the show and the diverse set of topics you cover. And I'm thinking, okay, this is some email. This is going to be an email I'm getting ready to forward to the bosses. I appreciate how articulate you are and your command of language. This is great. This is my kind of listener. I also couldn't agree with you more, parenthesis, and burst out laughing, close parenthesis, when you passionately correct folks on its improper usage, like... The Ukraine. You may have guessed by name that I am of Italian ancestry. I'm a first generation American with strong roots in Italy and very close with my family there. The history of Columbus Day segment you did in October was fascinating. And I made sure to replay it for my daughters because it was so educational. Now, I am thinking this guy, uh, this guy is a fan's fan. It's my kind of guy. But you always know there's a curveball coming, right? All this said, I thought I had mistakenly changed the station last week when I heard the term Galamad. Not once, but a rapid-fire stream of Galamads. Each one like a kick to the gut used to explain a restaurant's squid appetizer. Frank, I implore you. Please do not continue to butcher 
the language of both of our ancestors. It's bad enough that I've endured a lifetime of pretend Italian-Americans saying things like gabagool or antipast, thanks, Sopranos, and countless others. For the love of Pete, at least tack a vowel onto the end. Please don't perpetuate this, Frank! Exclamation point. There's my family's homemade vino and cured meats in it for you as an incentive. A loyal listener, Michelangelo. Now, I... I do like this dish. Not exactly a health food, so I I try not to overdo it. But I like it grilled. If you get it grilled, it's actually not that bad for you. But whether we're talking grilled galamad or fried galamad, I have always said galamad. Because this comes to how I pronounce my surname. Where do you learn a lot of your pronunciation? From your parents. We're all a product of where we come from. So... I was at dinner at my dad's yesterday, and I asked him, hey, the golden rings of fried squid starts with C. How do you pronounce it? My father said, Galamad. I said, why do you say Galamad? And he said, well, you know, um, I don't know. I always thought that was the Italian way to say it. I said, well, I don't think it is. And then he says, well, you know, it's kind of a slang. It's kind of a slang. The English way to pronounce it is calamari. So I'm wondering, uh, growing up in Staten Island, and I I don't like to make this a Staten Island show because we have listeners all over the country, all over the world, in fact, but growing up in my neighborhood, that's how everybody pronounced it, either Galamad or Galama. Very rarely would you go to a restaurant and have someone order Calamari. You'd almost think they were being a little highfalutin, a little pretentious by saying calamari instead of of galamad or uh, kalama. So my question for you is, how do you pronounce it and why? 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Now, I came across this video and I'd seen it before. I think it's a couple of years old. That my friend uh, Pam Silvestri, who's a brilliant food writer for the Staten Island Advance, and she used to be a restaurant owner, had a great restaurant called the American Grill, and actually would be, if we ever wanted a food critic on this radio station, she'd be great doing a food critic corner on this radio station. She did a video for SILive.com all about the proper way to pronounce Galamad. And what she did was she interviewed a lot of the leading restaurant owners and chefs at some of the most popular Italian restaurants in our borough. These were some of the results. This is not comprehensive. This, these are some of the results. Hello, this is Pamela Silvestri at the Staten Island Advance. And we would like to know the proper pronunciation of a seafood item. Is it Calamari or Galamari? Calamari. Calamari. A lot of people don't use the vowels. They say Calamari instead of Calamari. They say Struffoli instead of Struffoli. I don't get it. 
Bene a Bruno per mangiare un bello piatto di calamari freschi cucinato a Gradiato o fried. Bello piatto di calamari freschi. I'm from Los Angeles and where I'm from we call it calamari. So, what do you say and why? 1-800-848-WABC, uh, 1-800-848-9222. Since this uh, emailer included the term for um, for love of Pete, which is a term you don't hear very often, which immediately makes me love it, uh, let us begin with Pete on Staten Island. Hello, Pete. Hey, Frank. I would say Kalama. Like that. My, everybody else goes calamari and everything. When I worked in Basilio's, that's the way we said it. Calamar. Now, that's the, like that's that. basically the way I say it, only maybe with a little bit more of a G sound at the, at the top of the word. Why, why do you say it that way then? Why do you ignore, why do you ignore the I at the end of the word? I can't really tell you honestly, but that's the way I always heard it. Right. And when people ordered the food, that's what, we knew it was, and I used to have people go, calamari, you know, and I, I says, boy, you're not Italian then, I guess. You well, know? so, but, but this fella, but, but Pete, this what? fella is Italian that wrote to me, and what he's saying is the way that you and I are saying it, and I'm with you, I pronounce it pretty much the way that you do. What he's saying is that the way that you and I are saying it, I imagine this applies to other words that he didn't mention, like um, mozzarella or mortadelle. Well, um, you know, he's saying that, we're butchering the Italian language. What do you say to that guy? Well, my brother-in-law, Frankie the Barber in Staten Island, he calls pizza, pizza, with it like a, like a bee. And we don't ever say it to him because that's the way he says he'll fight you if you say it's pizza. He says pizza. And, uh, you know, everybody has a different way of saying it. But uh, I, the right word would be pizza and the right way would be calamar, you know, calamar, like that. But that's it. I mean, I, you know, everybody says it's different. Uh, what? What were we going to say, really? I said that's how you learned Yeah, that's how I learned it. You know, uh, well, so I guess we're in the same boat for the same reasons, Pete. Pete, thank you. I hope you had a nice thanks. weekend. Appreciate it. 800-848-WABC. How do you say it and why? If you say Galamad as Pete and I do, Pete and I didn't have a good reason. There's an I there. We're ignoring that I. Why? Same thing with Mitzadel. Why? Why are we ignoring that last vowel? Is it just because that's how we were raised? Well, that's what people that believed in slavery said. Look, this is our peculiar institution. This is the way we were raised. Does that make it right? I'm certainly not equivocating. I'm not making any equivocation between believing in slavery and pronouncing Galamad. However, it is interesting. 800-848-9222. Gina is in Brooklyn. Hello, Gina. Oh, Frank, is this my fault? Because I asked that question on air. I think it might be. I think it might be, Gina. (laughs) I'm I'm sending this guy to your house. That's it. (laughs) I want to tell you, I have a couple of things to say about this. I think in Italy, there are many different regions and there are many different dialects. Also, as New Yorkers, I think we're in a hurry all the time. And I also think, you know, when people understand what you're saying, there's no need to be corrected or to correct them. So you raise such an interesting question, and it's one that I was wondering about as well, is is the is this more of a New York thing than an, an Italian thing or anything else? Is this New York's way of creating sort of our own dialect? 
well, cutting off the vowel might be because usually we're always in a hurry. But I have a friend from Naples who corrected me because I say broccoli rabe, and she told me, no, it's a broccoli rabe. So, you know, some of us uh, have a need to articulate every vowel, and some of us don't. Well, uh, Gina, I'm going, I'll go with you that the, the idea that you brought up that this could be a New York regional regional uh you know vernacular as is so much as true of so many other ways that we say uh different things in new york thank you gina you know the newspaper that i read on sundays we call it you know it's spelled a d v a n c e now matt blaze if i said the newspaper is the staten island a d v a n c e what would you say that paper is called advance okay that is how the whole rest of the world pronounces it and that is the dead giveaway that you didn't grow up in that borough. It's, it's advance? Right. We call it the advance. The advance. Now, why do we call it the advance? There's no reason. No reason. But we do. And I think maybe that's just our vernacular. 800-848-WABC. Rosemary is in New York. Hello, Rosemary. Yeah, I grew up in an Italian family, still Italian, didn't change. And I always heard uh, real Italians, maybe from the people who came over here. You know, I'm I'm second generation here. And it's always mozzarella, real Italians, prosciutto. And the other one is, um, I can't think of the other. There's a few of them. Well, they there's a bunch. Uh, you know, antipast, he used the, the word right, and right. gabagol. You know what it's for? So you can eat quicker. You keep dropping the vowels, then you get to eat quicker. That's it. I, I like it, Rosemary. I like it. That's very funny. You can order quicker, and the food comes out quicker. I love it. 800-848-WABC. Ron is in New Jersey. Straighten us out, Ron. Yeah. You know what it has to do with Frank? It has to do with education, dialect. Uh, it, it also has to do with the area you're in, and and also... The way the Europeans enunciate words. Now, for instance, cheese, mozzarella. Now, we're not going to say mozzarella. That's that's Medicon. But mozzarella, you're pronouncing the U, U, as they do in Europe, and you roll the R. Uh, so that's where we came to uh, state it almost the proper way, mozzarella. But, but then we, why, why – and I say it that way too – but why do you leave off the last A in mozzarella? I think um, I think it's part New York, and I, you know what else they say? A lot of the so uh, it's a New York thing. It's that partly, that's what it is. Partly, but it's education, and I think the the way the uh, Southern Italians enunciated, they they sort of just gruffly came out with the word, uh, as opposed to you know, in the North, you're almost saying the word because Italians Italian words with the vowels. It almost has a ring to it, a nice sound. It flows. But back then, they, they, they murdered it. They murdered the Italian language the way they would say murdered the English language. Interesting. All right, Ron. Thank you. Dean on Staten Island, what do you have for us, Dean? Um, the caller just before pretty much said what I wanted to say as far as it being – the vernacular is spelled calamari, it's C-L – since when did the letter C become a good? Well, it, it, right. I, again, okay. it doesn't make any logical sense the way I'm pronouncing it. It, it, it. Sorry? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about intellectual ability or not. I mean, the stop is now. It's not God. It's just, it's just 
stop. So when you stop. order it, Dean, what do you? How do you order it? Calamari. It's calamari. Calamari. Yeah. Coca-Cola. It's that gobble Right. It's okay. Well, good. again, you have the same that. you have the same beef that this fellow Michelangelo does, uh, Dean. And look, I have no argument for you because that's the way it's spelled. It's spelled the way you're pronouncing it. What do you say, Matt Blaze? Now, you're not a New Yorker, nor I Italian. am a New Yorker. No, you're in New Jersey, aren't you? I grew up in New York. Oh, you did? Where? In Rockland. Oh, well. Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn. Oh, originally. okay, okay. Oh, I moved got out some of Brooklyn. Street cred there. Okay, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. But I say calamari. Calamari. Yeah, and mozzarella. Mozzarella. Uh, See yeah. that? I mean, it just—it's weird. It like hits the ear wrong. But I'm not uh, Italian, so yeah. But see, I don't, I don't want to necessarily go along with these ethnic pronunciations. Um, maybe I should switch to calamari, right? But it just sounds weird saying it. Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. Uh, Neil is on Staten Island. Hello, Neil. Yeah, Frank, uh, I'm I'm really enjoying this conversation, Frank, because he pitched out calamari. He doesn't pick on mosquito, maple, brookline, or all the other words you mispronounce. Just the calamari. And the worst part is, Frank, you have a world class linguist at your station. Curtis Lewa. Yes. Now, if you have to ask anybody, he's the one to ask, Frank. Yeah. Uh, yeah chances are, whatever his pronunciation is, that's the incorrect one. 800-848-WABC. John Vito, formerly of Brooklyn, now of Staten Island, calling in. Hello, John Vito. All right, all right. All right. You got me to talk to you. I was waiting for bad. But anyway, everything is based on education. If the people pronounce... Some of the words that you hear, macaroni, 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 you spell M-A-C-C-H-E-R-O-N-I. It's in Italian, it's macaroni. I came at an age that I can speak the perfect Italian. And, of course, I do calamari. Okay, that's the proper way. Calamari, it's a dialect. It's a form. It's a slang. People learn from the grandparents that they know to write, they didn't know how to read. That was the dialect before they learned. They never learned. Some of the generation never learned the, the proper language. So when they come, what they say? Galamar. Galamar. You could say anyway. It could sound anyway. Mozzarella. It's not mozzarella. It's mozzarella. So, John Vito, really John Vito, when, when you, you want to read. John Vito, when you, John Vito yes. when you order Galamar, how do you order it? Calamari. Calamari. Because, I'm, I'm, look, I, I was almost 20 when I came here. So I'm, I'm Italian. I'm educated in Italy. Of course, I picked up English over here. That doesn't doesn't matter, but it stays with me. For you, your parents must have came. They were so young, and they picked up only what the what the well, parents. Yeah, well, my parents were were born here, um, and, and well, so they were born here already. Right. So you are really second generation. Right. My grand but, my grandparents they were they were from Italy. And I, I'm trying to remember now where where in Italy were you from, John Vito? It's from Bari, Mola di Bari. Uh huh. So uh, my grandfather, I think both sides of my family were from from Naples. Yes. Uh, I I feel like my grandfather said Galama. I feel like he yeah, said Galama. It's, okay. it's a slang. Probably, that's what it is. By the sound they learned, they never read it, probably because they didn't know how to read. So what it was was Galama. You know, if you want to speak the slang, we all can speak the slang. I can speak my. So my own you basically are saying what my, my dad said is that Kalama is the slang pronunciation of it. Yeah, it's, it's a dialect form. If you want to really. You know, they do a lot of, lot of misspelling at the restaurant. I know that. Forget about it. But. Uh, you know, if you want to really say the proper way, it's cal- calamari, because the C before the A 
and the and the U and the O is K K, like the sound K, like the American English calamari. That's it. Got it, John Vito. Thanks for straightening us out. All right, hey, uh, Billy's in the East Village. What say you? Uh, I'm just thinking that uh, generally people like to shorten their words, shorten syllables to save energy. Like instead of saying good evening, we just say evening, evening, to, you know. And But when I was a kid, uh, I didn't know uh, Escarole uh, was pronounced. My grandmother said scuttle. Right. My, my grandparents, same thing. Yeah. Okay. So you know that. The, the wedding soup with the little meatballs. Yeah. Yeah. People just like to shorten their words. I, I, I think that's just out of. Simple uh, as that. I Maybe. Perhaps. Fair enough. And uh, I always, I always thought that uh, you know, gabagool. I didn't know no gabagool was actually uh, capicola, but uh, <laughs> for a while. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Billy. Yeah, see, even when he was saying capicola, it. I know that's the proper, that's the way it's spelled, but it just it doesn't sound right to me. Uh, maybe that's just because I've been in this prism surrounded by Galamad speakers and gabagool speakers my whole life. Maybe I need to. I, I, I don't want to give up Mozzadell, though. There's something so friendly sounding about Mozzadell. Sounds like such a delightful cheese, doesn't it? Better, much better than mozzarella, right? Leo is in Manhattan. Hello, Leo. Thank good morning. Uh, in German, we're pronouncing it actually gebraten and calamares. Well, but my wife, my wife and my daughters was Czech or spoke mostly Czech at, at the household, and they pronouncing it with really long a, calamari, calamari. But that's that's just uh, I never heard different version. The version you saying actually without calamari, without that I, I never heard that. Uh, hey, well, so I guess, like I said, we're all a product of where we come from. Let me, we're not going to make the whole show about this, but let me take one more call on this. Sophia is in uh, Brooklyn. Hello, Sophia. Good morning, Frankie Morano. My pleasure. So, calamari, you say it's a soft end. You don't really pronounce the I or the E. You just say, like, calamari. It's it's kind of drops off. I like to see, end. I like the way you say it. I feel like that's proper enough, but still, I don't know, colloquial enough. Well, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. When people say, like, I was born in Italy, so when I say Italian-American, it's not an insult. I'm Italian first because I was born there, mm-hmm. but I grew up in America, so I'm Italian-American. I don't, you know, not, not you know what I mean? Like, that's what right. I say. So when people say, oh, uh, my parents were for, um, born in Italy, I'm first generation here. So what am I? I was born in Italy. I'm not first generation. Well, what so am I? technically... And, you know, this is how John Katsimatidis refers to himself. Tex- technically, you're, you're, um, you're an Italian immigrant. I am an Italian yeah. immigrant, so I'm not the first generation, right? I wouldn't be considered right. your first kids, generation. Your kids would be first generation. It's, it's, so the, it's is- the first generation born in, in, here. Right. So what am I? What, what would somebody... Right, you're that- generation zero. I guess. Oh, okay. I'll research that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're an immigrant. You, Your children Frankie are first Morano. generation. I love you. Thank so you, Sophia. Much. I'm fond of you Please as well. Keep Thank you. Looking for that kidney for me, my love. I am. Thank yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, how are you doing? How's your health uh, these days? I feel. Sophia? I'm feeling. You know, these. Yeah, I'm feeling okay so far. So good. I I almost hate to jinx myself, good. but okay, I went yeah, through a bad don't. time. 
during the holidays, but so far, so good. God bless you guys, and keep that kidney coming. All right. Thank you very much, Sophia. If Sophia's in the market for a kidney, if anyone uh, has a kidney that they're willing to spare, please email me, and I'll connect you with Sophia, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. And don't worry, you know, because there are other people looking for kidneys, too. So if if we get a bunch of people wanting to give their kidneys away. We'll give one to Sophia and then one to somebody else. So that would be a nice problem to have, right? Uh, and then, you know, that's the kind of thing. If you become a living organ donor, but my friend Danielle did it, my Uncle John did it, you almost instantly qualify for heaven. Really? I mean, honestly, you you could get away with a lot. So look at it as a, a license to sin. How I view it. 800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. I'm listening to Frank Morano and eating gabagool. WABC. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Artists of all time. Um, I, you know, I think maybe he doesn't get his just desserts, pardon the pun, as a musician because he's so funny. But I got to tell you, the guy is a phenomenal musician. Um, this is, uh, of course, a satire of Beat It. Eat It. All right, a uh, couple of quick things. Number one. I it is my sad duty to inform you that our producer Molly is no longer with the show. She submitted her resignation on Friday. This was her decision. And uh, she is going to be doing I don't know if she wants me to get into detail with what she's going to be doing professionally next, 
But I think it's something that's certainly a positive for her. Certainly, who could blame her for not wanting to keep these crazy hours? Uh, but uh, she was very emotional when I spoke to her about it. Uh, she really loves working on this show, really loves radio. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe she comes back to the radio station sometime soon. That has happened before. I think she left on very good terms with everybody, did a great job here. And uh, her shoes will not easily be filled uh, I'm glad we at least got her to bake a cake, that banana cake, before she left. So I'm glad we got to enjoy her baking talents. And I will tell you, you know, Molly did so many different things around here and so many things well. The thing that uh, always gave me a daily chuckle was her podcast descriptions and titles. The effort that she would put into these podcast descriptions and titles was really uh, really something. So uh, that is certainly something that we're going to miss. So we're wishing Molly the best of luck. And with whatever she does next, as she starts this new chapter of her professional career. And I know, um, you know, I know she has a, a boyfriend that she lives with. I'm sure they're probably looking to get married soon. And these, these crazy hours are not at all conducive to getting married. And I say this, you know, as somebody with some experience in that regard. But nobody appreciates the power of a flame more than a man who's been burned. Also, to follow up on something we were talking about on Friday, a caller called up and asked and was talking about how Betty White passed away and how now all the cast of the Golden Girls is is dead, unfortunately. And she asked if I could name my favorite shows where the whole cast is dead. And I named a couple. I made a mistake on the Honeymooners, and I and I apologized profusely to Joyce Randolph. Evidently, I made another mistake that nobody corrected until I got this email from Herb on uh, on Saturday. Let me read you the operative part of it. Lastly, you corrected the error about Joyce Randolph of the Honeymooners, who is still with us, thankfully, you mentioned The Adventures of Superman as being a classic show wherein the full cast is now departed. Happily, you are incorrect. What, what I'm about to read you blew my mind. I had no idea about this. Phyllis Coates, who played Lois Lane in the first and best 26 episodes filmed in 1951, is now 95 years old. So Phyllis Coates is still alive, doing well apparently, I'm at the age of 95. So I apologize. I did not mean to kill her off any more than I meant to kill off um, Joyce Randolph. Sorry about that. Definitely apologize. So if there's anyone else that I said is dead that is actually alive, if you're one of those people, if I said that you were dead and you're alive, call me right now just so we know you're alive. Okay? 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Joe is in Middle Village. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. Can you hear me? Absolutely. First time caller, but I can say that because you're not care to sleep, of course. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard, uh, Joe. Let us give you our first time caller fanfare, um, which you're I'm which you're which you're entitled to. We're sorry. Welcome. Hopefully, this will not be your last call as well, Joe. Nicely, nicely done. Frank, thank you for doing what you do, and you do it so well and so entertainingly. 
Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. Can I make a comment regarding the uh, Italian dialectal conversation? Please, go ahead. I was very impressed with the way the show progressed uh, from caller to caller. I learned something new each time. I'm uh, half Italian, my father's side. Uh, my father's from Staten Island. Uh, his, his parents came over from Naples. And uh, I heard you mention that uh, your, your family is from Naples. That's right. That's it, sounds like, uh, like, uh, it sounds like we're practically related, Joe. Uh, perhaps. Perhaps. Um, he was from New Brighton, by the way. Uh, New Brighton or West Brighton. Okay, it, yeah. It, I, I had some family there, but most of my my time has been spent on the South Shore. Oh, I see. That's very interesting. To get to the point, uh, what we're talking about, and one of the callers mentioned it, is is different dialects, of course. To take that a step further, it also has to do with um, I, I'm not going to say the politically correct term because it, it eludes me, but the status, social status, how you speak. You know, the, the Bowery boys uh, didn't speak like uh, Walter Pigeon and pe- people of that status, so to speak. It has to do well, not just what region you're from, the way the dialect has changed, but the status, the education, the the social status, so to speak. Would you agree with that? I would, yes, absolutely. I don't mean to be offensive to anyone, of course, no, yeah, or, or anything like that. That being said, my father said something odd to me. He said that, and my father's an educated guy, um, taught at the end of his career after he retired from the NYPD uh, for 25 years, retired as a captain, and then he taught police science. He expressed to me not too many years ago that he and his family were self-conscious about their strong Neapolitan dialect. And I didn't really understand it. I, I, should have, I, I should have asked him questions. I think what he meant was among other Italians, though those not either working-class Neapolitan or perhaps those from other regions. It was such a strong accent. He, he was a distinguished kind of guy. He had a great speaking voice, great elocution and a great vocabulary, but he was almost embarrassed by it. And he wasn't putting anyone down. He sure. was just being up. You know, I I, I, I totally get that, Joe. Um, there's a great restaurant in, in Brooklyn. It's called Michael's of Brooklyn. It's on Avenue R in Nostrand. I, I recommend it um, strongly. It all, and and I, I try to go there as, as often as I'm able to. There's a waiter there named Enzo, and he's been in this country for 20, 30 years. He's from Italy. And he has the most beautiful Italian accent in the world. Now, my wife, when we have dinner there, um, and he's our waiter, she says, you know, I could listen to Enzo speak all day. I mean, he's just incredible. Now, my grandfather didn't speak at all like Enzo. He spoke broken English, and it sounded very different than Enzo's accented English. So I said, Enzo, why do you sound the way that you do? Whereas other uh, Italian immigrants like my grandfather, they sound much different. They sound, um, you know, I don't want to signal any single anyone out here and sound insulting, but it was not as melodious as Enzo. And lo and behold, you know, it's because Enzo was from Rome and there was a level of refinement and education that Uh, Enzo had in Rome that my grandfather and his siblings didn't have in Naples. Even the caller that you had on before. Um, 
he had, he came here when he was twenty. He had an Italian accent, right? You recall? Yes. Uh, yes. Even the way he said Calamari was beautiful. He said it only twice. It's I'm true, and he, he's he's quite a singer, that. and he sings very well in that uh, that way of speaking. Joe, thank you. I am going to move on to a few other things. Right, can as I well. add something? Really yeah, quick. go ahead. Go ahead. It's it's worth the wait. In the movie Airplane, the the ridiculous comedy back yes. in the seventies. I'm 80s. very familiar with it. The Zucker Brothers. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of free time, and I, I think about things like, gee, how do they dub these certain things in different languages? And my question was, what do they do in Italy when they had the two black yeah, the jive scene. soul brothers? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I don't know. It's a great question. I'll give you the answer. Mm-hmm. They, they, got two, they got two guys from Naples, I hate to say, with a strong Napolitano accent. Really? I'm surprised they didn't go Sicilian. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a debate for another time. Yeah, I guess so. Joe, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening. There you go. It's good. See, I like that guy. The, you know what? He sounds good. His radio was off. By the way, kudos to uh, Avery. He's our telephone talent coordinator for the day. We'll hear more about him later. Believe me. And uh, the radio was off. The guy was ready. The guy was prepared. The guy was nice. He was intelligent. The five-star call. I mean, unless you're just totally whacked out. If you're totally whacked out, that's just as entertaining. A couple of follow-ups here. Um, two things. One, now, I know that the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, is a matinee idol now. I, I, I recognize that, okay? I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade. I know he's this generation's Churchill meets Mandela. Okay, my wife's in love with him. My sister-in-law's in love with him. Every woman I know in love with Zelensky. God, God bless him. Good matinee idol, great. And you know what? I saw that show, Servant of the People, where he plays the school teacher that becomes president. He's great on that show. The guy was an amazing comedic performer. Okay, I don't want to get into a whole Ukraine discussion, but I have to mention this. I read the New York Post over the weekend. The Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, is among five people named on Thursday as recipients of the JFK Profile in Courage Award. Now, okay, Profile in Courage Award, he's demonstrating a lot of courage. He's staying and fighting. Okay, I can deal with it. He's getting the John F. Kennedy Profile in Courage Award for Acting to protect democracy. I um, I was drinking water when I read that article. I almost spit out my water on my computer screen. Acting to protect democracy? As the journalist Gonzalo Lira said on Twitter, so when you shut down opposition news channels, persecute journalists critical of you, Imprison your political opponents and in some cases have them murdered. That's defending democracy. Good to know. I was a bit unclear on the concept. The guy's exactly right. Guy's exactly right. Zelensky has banned a whole bunch of the opposition parties. He has shut down um, opposition media. That's not a democracy. Now, You want to have a conversation about Abraham Lincoln? That's great. You could say he did the right thing 
uh, burning down American cities in the South. You could say he did the right thing, preserving the Union. A lot of nice things you could say about Lincoln. You cannot say that Abraham Lincoln was a champion of democracy because of his conduct during the Civil War. And the same, you can like Zelensky, but the fact that they're giving him an award for protecting democracy, come on. Come on. That is a total joke. It's like um, uh, it's like giving, I don't know, what is it like? Um, it's like giving Michael Jackson's father a parenting award. That's what that's like. I mean, it's a joke. He's not protecting democracy. You might say he's defending his country against the Russians. Fine. No protecting democracy. A couple other follow-ups to stories we were talking about last week. We were spending a lot of time talking about the um, the election in France. And uh, Macron has been elected, re-elected, and becoming the first French president in about 20 years to win a second five-year term. He won the runoff um, over Marine Le Pen. It was a little closer than it was five years ago, but he won, looks like, about uh, 58.6% of the vote. So he won by a, a healthy margin. But this is the aspect of the thing that I wanted to mention, other than the fact that it is news that a French president's been reelected for the first time in 20 years. Now, all the recent opinion polls show that there was a record high number of people who will who either cast a blank vote, meaning they didn't vote for either of them, or not voted at all. And I'll tell you, it's because of this runoff system that they have in France. Now, it's not as bad as what they do in California and what some people are proposing in New York, where no matter what the results of the election, the top two people advance to a runoff. Because if one, if somebody does get 50% of the first round in the French election, you do win the election. You don't have to go to a runoff. That's what happened with the Gaulle, you'll remember. But clearly, a lot of French citizens aren't happy with just these two choices, both on the left and on the right. And in the center, they wanted other choices. Even Macron, in his statement today, talking about the election, he acknowledged a whole The guy has a 36% approval rating. 36%. And he was just reelected. 64% of Frenchmen don't approve of the job that Macron is doing. And now he's going to lead that country for another five years. Now, again, it's not against Macron. Uh, I'm, I'm not weighing in on the benefits of Macron versus Le Pen. There's, I think there's a case to be made for both of them. I'm making a case against this system, which is in this country in some states and is spreading. A much better system would be if they had ranked choice voting for that first round. All right, you you don't you vote for Le Pen uh, first. If you don't like Le Pen, you you rank Melanchon second. You rank the socialist person third, and then you rank um, you know the the re- Republican candidate fourth, and you rank Macron fifth. W- wouldn't that have been a better system than have all these Frenchmen not bothering to vote because they dislike? Both of the two remaining choices. Imagine if that we had that here in New York. Where I live, it's a Republican district. So there's about 30% Democrats in that district. So you know that if we had that system, it would be two Republicans that advance to the next round. 
the Democrats probably can't stand either of those two Republicans, hypothetically, and they would stay home. So I really hope that we look at this French election as a cautionary tale of what will happen if we move towards a top two runoff system. Uh, Still to come, we have uh, commendations, by the way, at 3 o'clock. Last item I'm going to follow up with as we cross our T's and dot our lowercase j's. We, you might remember, about, I don't know, four months ago, maybe five months ago, we did a whole segment about the decision by the New York Public Library to do away with late fees for books. And the consensus was that it was a bad idea. And I forget what take I had on it. I think I probably thought it was a bad idea also. But evidently, New York, we did away with the late fees for libraries. It has worked out really well here. Now people are returning all sorts of books and DVDs because of this amnesty. And they're getting people and books back to the more than 200 branches. The goal was achieved. You had this wave of overdue materials come crashing in, accompanied by a healthy increase between 9% and 15%, depending on the borough, of returning visitors. And look, I know the New York Times has an agenda uh, and with this article that they wrote on it, but they wrote this article, and it talks about this mom of two who basically she racked up um, she's poor and she racked up $50 worth of fees and she wasn't taking her daughters to the library. So she saved up the money, went back to the library with a check to pay it because her daughters really enjoyed the library. And the librarian tells her, we got good news for you. We don't charge late fees anymore. And now she and her daughters are back at the library all the time. And I think that's a good thing. I, I know This may not do much to incentivize personal responsibility, but I think this is already ending up in more books and overdue materials being returned. And number two, kids, especially poorer kids, utilizing library services more. So I have to tell you, I was skeptical about this, but after seeing how it's worked out in New York, I think this is a positive. Because, you know, In 2019, the New York, Brooklyn, and Queens Public Libraries, that's actually three separate library branches. You aware of that? In the five boroughs of New York City, we have three separate library systems. If I was ever governor or mayor, that would be the first thing I'd look to change, by the way. But, I mean, mean, think about that. If you you work in Brooklyn or if you live in Brooklyn and work in Manhattan, you can't use your Brooklyn library card in Manhattan. How nuts is that? I mean, there should be one unified library system in the city. Fine. That's a discussion for another day. But those three systems collected more than $3 million in late fees in 2019. But unfortunately, the, the revenue collection mechanisms for these libraries weren't that great. So they didn't, they didn't end up, you know, there was a lot of missed money. So a lot of times it costs them more money to go after people that owe these library books. So 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC if you want to comment on any of that. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
ABC. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Times, if you ever want to know what music we're playing, join our Facebook group uh, and search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M O R A N O Radio Fans and Haters. We'd be happy to have you and we'd encourage you to participate in some of the discussions that are had about the show. Operative part of that sentence about the show. Uh, so, Friday, after we left here and uh, we had our meeting, I met with some friends for cocktails later in the afternoon, wrapped up around 5.30, and then had a uh, had dinner with, um, w- you know, with some of the other people that were at the cocktail outing. I figured I'd been drinking alcohol for four hours. I should have, you know, something to eat. So went to this Mediterranean restaurant in Midtown. It's not bad. And I'm, I tell my wife, you know, as I'm leaving, um, I'm going to this Mediterranean restaurant. Let me know if you want me to bring you anything. And... She basically says, all right, that means you're going to be home late. I'll see you tomorrow. Kind of rolls her eyes, but wasn't super mad. So I get home around 10 o'clock. Now, that's not bad. 10 o'clock on a Friday, given my track record of staying out way too late when, you know, when I've gone cocktailing, not bad. Get home at 10. She's already home. Uh, She's already in bed. Already in bed. So it just so happens my friend Arthur was in my neighborhood for a wake. A friend of his passed away, sort of a legendary figure in the Brooklyn DA's office, Joe Ponzi. And he said, well, I said, if you're on Staten Island, why don't we meet up? So he comes over, and I don't want to wake Rachel or the baby. So we sit on my front porch, and we have a hard seltzer. And we're kind of chewing the fat and catching up. And I realized, you know, the normal Friday that I go to, I, I usually go to my friend Vinny's on Friday night. It's still going on. And they all like Arthur. I said, Arthur, you want to you want to go to Vinny's? He said, sure. He'd never been there, but has heard me talk about it a great deal. So we go over there. Left there around 1030, quarter to 11. And I stay there, you know, maybe another hour or so. Leave there around 1215, 1230. And then I come back. Rachel is, my wife Rachel, is awake and just furious. She said, I thought you told me you were coming home. I, I, I said, I did come home. I was home. She said, well, why didn't you answer when I called? I, I don't know. I didn't see the phone ring. And she was ticked off. Well, she said, she said I'm up taking care of our child. Um, I mean, it was really, really angry. Frank, what the hell are you doing? So then the next morning, I reach for my phone and I have a Google Pixel. And somehow my phone has been turned to a setting for a blind person. So it's a setting called TalkBack where I I was going to turn it on and show you 
but I'm afraid I won't be able to get it off because it took me forever to get rid of this setting. And it's impossible to navigate as a seeing person this talkback setting. It's really difficult. So finally, I, and I'm thinking maybe that's why I didn't see her call or uh, because it was in this blind mode. So I was able to finally remove the talkback setting and we go about our day and I'm doing different things. Then later in the afternoon, around 3, 3.30, I see that since the previous day, I had inadvertently turned on do not disturb on my phone. So my phone for, you know, 16 hours was on do not disturb. So that's why I didn't see her call. So to view this as a cautionary tale, make sure your phone is on do not disturb. And, uh, you know, that's that. 800-848-WABC. Still to come, we have commendations and a bunch of other things coming up. Pamela is in Central Jersey. Hello, Pamela. Oh, hi. Um, yeah, I just want to agree with you that uh, this society is so quick to cancel and make out people to be evil so quickly. And we're also at the opposite end of the spectrum, too easy to make saints out of people. You're right. And I, to- I totally agree with you. Yeah, there. Why do you think that is that rush to judgment? Is that just a, a, on both positive and negative things? Is that just a function of the media ecosystem we're living in? Yeah, and and uh, I think it's the times we're living in. We want quick fixes, and it's almost like a uh, a junkie for oh, this one's a, a saint, this one's evil, and it kind of makes us. Uh, uh, make our life uh, seem livable right now to uh, shoot for an angel and then shoot for the devil. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, that's as good of an explanation as I've heard, Pamela, but I would agree. I think before we, the public, place a halo or or, um, or a pitchfork in any, on anybody's head or hand, respectively, we ought to think twice and uh, maybe not be so quick to do so. Great point, Pamela. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. Coming up in a minute, people of color are buying guns like crazy. Why do you think that is? 800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population. Make sure you get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. Sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everybody, 
This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. There are two stories that I want to bring uh, to your attention. Well, one is a story and one is more of a uh, a trend. All right? Um, the first has to do with guns. Guns, guns, guns. Now, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a supporter of the Second Amendment, but I'm a supporter of all the amendments, right? Except maybe the 16th. There's a, 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 an interesting trend, and I'm curious to get your take on it. People of color, according to Axios, are buying guns at higher rates than ever before. Heightened violence, including new homicide records, a rise in anti-Asian hate crimes, and national attention to police brutality, like the George Floyd case and other similar instances, have all pushed more black, Latino, and Asian Americans to turn to firearms for self-protection. So this is really interesting. Minorities buying guns. Now, politically, this has all sorts of ramifications because in states like Nevada, the Democrats already have a Hispanic problem. Florida, too, for a multitude of reasons. But the top line is the Hispanics are abandoning the Democratic Party in, in I don't want to say in droves, but in sizable and noticeable numbers. So a lot of folks are wondering if this new wave of black, Latino, and Asian homeowners, I mean uh, gun owners, could spell trouble for the Democrats in battleground states in 2020. Number one, um, one of the factors here, and obviously if you have a theory as to why this is the case, I'm going to give you some statistics, but the top line is what I just said. Um. The top line is what I just said, and I'll give you the numbers in a second. Fear of crime is one of the leading factors here. Fear of crime in the United States is the highest that it's been, according to Gallup, since 2016. Now, the initial surge in gun purchases was driven partly by the pandemic as fear and uncertainty set in. That's according to Mark Oliva, the spokesperson for the Firearm Industry Trade Association, the Shooting Sports Foundation. Here are some retailer surveys by this um, National Shooting Sports Foundation. Listen to this. In 20, between ni- 2019 and 2020, not a lot of time, one year, there was a 58% increase in African Americans buying guns. There was a 49% increase in Hispanic Americans buying guns. That's their nomenclature, not mine. 43% increase in Asian Americans buying guns. These rates of increase remain unchanged between 2020 and 2021 among nearly 60% of retailers. So understand what I'm saying. Almost 60%, there was a 60% increase in black gun owners from 2019 to 2020, and then again, about a 60% increase in black gun owners from 2020 to 2021. With, according to Axios, with this anti-Asian, with these anti-Asian hate crimes splashed across the news, many Asian Americans felt that their only option was to turn to firearms. 
That's according to Chris Chang, founding board member of the Asian Pacific American Gun Owners Association. It was an awakening for Asian Americans to say, how do I avoid becoming the next Atlanta spa shooting victim? And who could blame them? Um, High-profile cases of police brutality drove many blacks to take their safety into their own hands, according to Douglas Jefferson, the senior vice president of the National African American Gun Association. Over, listen to these numbers. These are real numbers. Over 10,000 people joined the National African American Gun Association in the past two years. The defund the police movement, which aims to shift resources from police to social services, made some Latino immigrants wary. According to Gabby Franco, a Venezuelan firearms instructor who's taught many Latinos. Many come from countries with high crime rates and have firsthand experience with underfunded police. It's like for me to pursue my dreams, I need to make sure that I stay alive. That's what Gabby Franco told Axios. Gun violence, no question about it, disproportionately affects black American Indian and Latino communities. What's your take on why minorities are all of a sudden buying more guns? Do you think there's more to it than what I just said? What do you think the political ramifications will be? What do you think the ramifications will be in terms of crime? Will we see more gun violence, less, or about the same? Tell me what you think. 800-848-9222. Meantime. Breaking news. WABC. Uh, Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Going on right now, uh, the Secretary of Defense, General Lloyd Austin, is speaking. Uh, He and the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, have just met with uh, President Vladimir Zelensky in Kiev. Um, Secretary of State Blinken and Defense Secretary Austin met with Zelensky becoming the first senior U.S. officials known to have visited Ukraine since Russia. So that's the latest on that. Uh, They're both speaking now. We're monitoring this. If there are any top-line items of news based on what they're saying, I will share them with you. 800-848-9222. Now, this is the story that I wanted to share with you. A couple days ago, this comes to us from Cocoa, Florida. I'm not sure where Cocoa, Florida is. I don't know if it's on it's on the East Coast or the West Coast. I don't, I don't really know. Because there's a big divide among Floridians. You ever notice that? Oh, where in Florida do you live? East Coast. Oh, it's East Coast. Oh, yeah. so you know about Florida. Cocoa, yeah. Okay. So whenever you talk to Floridians, they're always very territorial when it comes to their coasts. You ever notice? They uh, they will always say, oh, no, 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 no. We don't, you know, we don't deal with those people. Those are West Coast people. Those are fuddy-duddies. Or no, we don't deal with the East Coast people. You know, it's very territorial. So a woman has been arrested after threatening to blow up her son's high school unless cafeteria workers started giving him more food. Now, the threat was left in a February 3rd voicemail to Coco High School, according to police and court records. This 41-year-old woman was arrested last Wednesday and charged with making a false bomb threat and disruption of a school. 
She didn't leave her name on the voicemail, but the school's caller ID recorded the number. Staff members at the school listened to the message the next morning, and they contacted the Cocoa Police. The school was evacuated, but no weapons or explosive devices were found. Investigators located the woman's phone number in school records, and a resource officer confirmed that her child had gotten into an argument February 3rd with a cafeteria worker because he wanted more food. The state attorney's office filed paperwork ordering the woman's arrest on April 7th. Now, at first glance, it looks kind of like everyone acted appropriately. But one person in sent me an email that felt a little differently. This person felt that the police acted inappropriately for searching the school. And he points out that since the 1970s, the U.S. has not had a bomb threat that turned out to be a real bomb. Violent, this is this person writing to me, violent nuts don't give warnings and hoaxes like this get schools to close. So first question is, do you agree with that? Do you agree that if you're going to bomb a school or something, you don't usually phone in a bomb threat? And maybe, maybe the police did act inappropriately. I don't think so. I think the police act, if this was my son's school and someone's calling in a bomb threat, I, I think they should evacuate the school. All right, so maybe most bomb threats are empty bomb threats. Still a bomb threat. What if it's not? So I think the police acted appropriately. Now, this was interesting, though. This fellow also wrote to me and said that we should denounce the lunch staff because, according to him, if a kid says he's hungry, give him more food and bill the parents. Add it to their taxes. If they ignore the bill, don't argue with a hungry kid. So I thought that was a good point. If the kid really was hungry and he wanted more food, they should give him more food. I mean – the natural, the natural, rational reaction to a parent hearing that their son got into an argument with a cafeteria worker is not to then call in a bomb threat. So I think this woman should still have been arrested, but um, I think the police acted appropriately. So you're welcome to comment on either or both of those stories. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Why are so many minorities buying guns? Six open lines. Or um, do you think the police acted appropriately by evacuating this school in Florida once a bomb threat was called in? And we're monitoring this uh, press briefing that uh, Tony Blinken and um, Lloyd Austin are giving to the Press right now, according to uh, General Austin and Secretary Blinken, the meeting lasted approximately three hours. And uh, what Austin just said was that Ukraine can win with the right equipment. Very interesting. It, I'll let you judge for yourself. 800-848-9222. open lines if you want to jump on board. Bobby's on Long Island. He's been patiently holding. Hello, Bobby. Hey, how you doing tonight, Frank? Doing great, thank you. Oh, all right, look, I need to apologize to you. Oh, well, I forgive you. 
Well, can I say why? Oh, sure. Now, okay. I might not be so quick to forgive, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I got to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, and, and I called you a few times, and, you know, we had a okay conversations. But there was something going around about your birthday. And uh, I tried to look it up, and I didn't look it up right. But anyway, I, I gave out the date and uh, to Curtis. And uh, I was wrong. Even though it was the wrong date, I was wrong for doing that to you. Oh, well, that's because, all right, Bobby. No, don't worry about it. No, because, you know, you don't want people to know it. I, I shouldn't have done that, man. I shouldn't have disrespected you like that. And uh, I apologize. I'm sorry for that. Well, uh, I, I still forgive you, Bobby. All right. Thank you, Frank. You're, You're welcome. man. I appreciate it. I agree, I agree with you wholeheartedly. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Joseph is in the Bronx. Hello. Uh, with regard to uh, your comments and uh, you know, it's factual data that you presented with regard to the gun sales among minorities going up in, you know, astronomically, you know, it's not surprising. Uh, and I'll tell you why. And so far as that, again, they happen to be principally most of the victims of violent crime. And again, blacks and Hispanics, if they live in low income neighborhoods like where I live in the Bronx, most of that crime is being perpetuated by black violent criminals. Be, just be factual and honest. Now, before I go, before I continue, I just want to point your direction <clears throat> to uh, the article called Gun Control by Dr. Uh, William Pierce. Okay. And again, that's gun control, just simply gun control by Dr. William Pierce. Now, one of the reasons why the police actually recalcitrant and reluctant to go after violent criminals, I mean, yes, they don't want to end up like Derek Chauvin, uh, acute, falsely accused of a homicide, when again, the guy who he arrested was after he uh, died from a drug overdose. Uh, but I'm not going to go into that. But in, sen- in essentially, there's another reason why the police are not as focused on violent crime that many people don't realize. Now, again, you know, if they're, if they're concentrated, most of the police forces in this country, as well as the federal level, like the FBI, other agencies, they've been politicized to go after people for political reasons. All right. Now, I'll give you an example. The January 6th protest. You, you know, there are over 780 law-abiding Americans who are now languishing. In federal, in federal custody in Washington, D.C., well over a year and a half after the January 6th protest. Most of these people have never been arrested in their lives. They're sitting there for trespassing charges, but now they're facing felonies. Again, politically motivated felonies. Now, one, you know, one reason why the police are not as focused on violent crime is because many of them are too busy wasting taxpayer dollars and resources investigating people for political reasons as opposed to criminal ones. And again, with regard to uh, the January 6th protesters, that's 780 people in custody. They're investigating literally thousands more. And if you remember Merrick Garland, uh, the attorney general, that nice Jewish boy who heads up the Justice Department, he castigated ordinary white parents and Trump supporters as being domestic terrorists. All right. Thank you, Joseph. You know, I was trying to see how long Joseph could – stay on the phone without saying something against the Jews. And I was about to congratulate him for making it to the end of his call. But he couldn't do it. But he couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. um, You heard, you know, he had to refer to Merrick Garland as not the attorney general Merrick Garland, 
But that nice Jewish boy who's the attorney general, I had to mention the fact that he was Jewish. Joseph is obsessed with hating Jews. So I compliment him for almost making it to the end of his phone call without letting his anti-Semitism show. But it's like quitting a marathon at the 25th mile, right? 800-848-WABC. Open phones if you want to jump on board. Rocco is in Connecticut. Hello, Rocco. Hi. Um, uh, I'm a teacher, and I have this conversation regularly with my uh, uh, African-American uh, students. And they carry knives. They carry uh, weapons uh, because they say, listen, we live in these dangerous neighborhoods. It takes uh, police officers too long to get there. One and the other thing is, they uh, they live in an atmosphere where they have no help from others. Mm. In other words, as anybody as an eyewitness, they kind of look the other way. They don't say anything because and nobody will snitch. So as a result, they need to fe- they need to fetch for themselves. If they don't survive on their own, nobody's going to come to their aid. So. It's not surprising that they're buying guns. But what do you think the, what do you think, now that seems like it's logical. Everything you just said makes logical sense. But I would think that would have been the case three years ago, four years ago. What do you think is behind this uptick in minority gun sales over the last two years? Well, because now we're living under the defund the police and right. Okay, so it's mostly the, the factors. Way. Most of the factors right. that they, I alluded they, to. Sure, of course. I mean, they they taking longer to get there, and uh, it's it just like I, I just find it. I just find it like insane that some of these politicians can go and say some of the dumbest thing, and the media just prints this like this is oh my god, this is like some some revelation. You want to defund the police? What are you doing? You're giving the streets to the criminal uh, to the to gangs. Yeah, uh, Rocco, I mean, you get no argument from me. Uh, You get no argument from me. I I completely agree with you there, uh, Rocco. Uh, It's just it is interesting to me that there have been other and thank you, Rocco, for the call. And uh, thanks for your service as a teacher. There have been other uh, times in America's history where violence has been a problem. I don't know if we've seen a surge in legal gun ownership among minorities like the one that we're seeing now. And my question is why? 800-848-WABC. Avery will answer your calls, ideally. And then uh, we got uh, commendations coming up at 3 o'clock. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Hangover, 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 hangover. Party's over, it ain't over. Try to make a bag of memory over and over. Hangover, 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 hangover. This is Psy. You remember Psy? Remember, remember, Psy was everywhere. I mean, he was ubiquitous. He was very popular for, I'd say he had about eight months. He had about eight months where he was the biggest star in the world. He was like Zelensky. He was like Zelensky meets uh, Pete Davidson. I mean, he was big for a short time. He did um, Gangnam Style and then that other song, Gentleman. Uh, I like his music. I like. So, anyway, uh, we will take your calls in just a minute. 800 848 9222. 
I do have to mention that uh, Bernie and Sid are apparently off today, as I understand it. And filling in for Bernie and Sid will be none other than our owner, John Katsimatidis. He did a great job on Friday. My thanks to both Sid and John for inviting me to come on with them for a few minutes Friday morning. That was great fun. And um, John's co-host for the morning from 6 to 10 will be Curtis Slewa. Now, I got you got to give credit to Curtis. Curtis has been he he's here now sleeping in the neighboring studio. He has been wow. here basically the entire weekend. Almost on air almost the entire time. He was on air for 6 hours Friday going into Saturday. Then he was on air for 6 hours Saturday going into Sunday. He was on air 2 hours on Saturday afternoon and then 2 hours on Sunday afternoon and then another Three or four hours before Dominic Carter. I mean, you, you. I mean, if we're judging radio based on quantity, not quality, Curtis is doing great, and he's sticking around to do the morning show. So good for him. Now, um, I will tell you, I went to bed just um, so, uh, early on on Saturday. I thought I went to bed around nine thirty. Because my wife and I tried to watch the um, season premiere of Better Call Saul, and I was just so tired, I fell asleep. So uh, I thought it was around 9.30. My wife tells me today it was around 10.30, 11. Now, I wake up around 1.30 in the morning, and I'm wide awake, wide awake. So what do I do? Now, I, I and again, it's like I'm the guy in the horror movie that's going, that's running in the wrong direction, that's going into the abandoned house with the masked uh, serial killer on the loose, and everyone's shouting at the screen, no, don't go in there! I I know what to expect when I'm turning on Curtis on a Saturday or Sunday. And sure enough, I was not disappointed. So I started listening... Uh, I did. Uh, I did watch. I'm watching the West Wing, so I watched the West Wing first. So I started listening to Curtis around two forty-five. The guy does a whole hour, basically. He and his callers taking turns bashing me for everything other than the sun. I actually think I heard one caller call in and blame me for the kidnapping of the Lindbergh baby, and not to mention totally inaccurate. Totally inaccurate. Curtis is just making stuff up. He even claimed I was in Atlantic City. I would have loved to have been in Atlantic City. I was not. And he claimed, deck. claimed I was in Atlantic City the weekend before. So I'm listening to these these guys. Curtis did a whole hour on nothing but me, saying I'm getting all these comps from Atlantic City. I should be getting comps from Atlantic City, but I'm not. And the, the thing that makes Curtis so dangerous, honestly, is... That there are so many people that still believe him. Even when I say none of what Curtis is saying with respect to me is true on the overnight show. So, uh, I mean, this is a sample of what I I was listening to on Saturday into Sunday morning. When the hell does Frank work out? Oh, I have a lot in common with Sid. The only thing that Frank works out is lifting that martini before 12, that dry martini. That's the only exercise he does. You notice how he turned on me. You notice how immediately 
He elevates me and says, well, maybe Curtis is shit, and then completely annihilates me and ends up swapping spit with uh, Sid. It's a mutual admiration society. I mean, you have two narcissistic peacocks here at WABC, Frank Morano, the other side of midnight, and Sid Rosenberg in the morning. Uh, now, I can't argue with Curtis there. I- I'm not a gym rat. I- I'm trying to work out more. I'm going to try and get on the stationary bike today. But I've worked out before. I'd never worked out like Sid. That's true. Uh, but, okay, that is one of the more accurate things Curtis said. But it's basically, it's a whole hour of Curtis just making stuff up about me. Now, I thought it was very entertaining. I didn't mind it because he's bringing more attention to this show. And, look, Curtis has the second highest ratings in terms of a share on the station. I'll leave you one guess as to who has the highest ratings in terms of a share on the station, but it's neither here nor there. So, uh, you know, Curtis is doing very well on the weekend, and I'm happy to have him mention me. And now I call in. So I call in starting at 3 o'clock because he did a whole hour on me. So I'm on hold, and I'm hearing caller after caller, one more idiotic than the next. I mean, where they found these callers, I I just, I don't know where they find these people. And then a couple of really good callers, like uh, Joe from Ronkonkoma called in. I enjoyed that call. A couple of other people. The Frank Defenders out there. Mike in uh, wherever he is, New Rochelle. I think another guy in Jersey. A couple of Frank Defenders. And a couple of people who said, yeah, Frank said what you said last week wasn't true. And these guys just keep going and going. Do you remember Soupy Sales? Oh, of course. Uh, we were talking about Soupy Sales just last week. Almost same time, same place here. Okay. Remember he asked people to send in a dollar? Yeah. He got in trouble. They suspended him. Now, Frank, your pal the moron, he ripped that bit off. Wow. I, I didn't even think of that. So explain to me because I didn't hear that. What was it that Frank was asking? He wanted a tip for his call, Moody, whatever her name is. Molly, Molly, his phone screen. Moody, Moody. (laughs) 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 So he ripped off Soupy Sales. Of course. He's an idiot. He can't come up with anything in his own self. Wow, you're right. You're right. We were just having that discussion last week that... Here it is. He he told the kids to go out and get those that little green paper that your parents will sometimes put in their pockets or their wallets and send it to me. And they did. They did. Yes, of course. Wow. Now, you have to get his spot. He needs to be fired. Oh, no, no, no. Well, well we can't do that. Remember, he's the golden child, Craig. He's the untouchable. He can do no wrong. He's up for a Marconi Award for Best Interview of the Year in Radio Broadcasting. That's very prestigious. The suits here, they talk about Frank Morano as if uh, he walked on the Sea of Galilee. Oh, yeah, right by Tiberius in Israel. Oh, yeah, Frank, it's like he walked. It's like, Jesus, he walked on the Sea of Galilee. Next thing you're going to tell me, he can turn fishes and loaves and feed an entire tribe of four homeless people. So I'm listening to this while I'm on hold, and I'm screaming through my phone. 
I'm saying I'm right here. You know, it's almost this has been repeated in cinema so many different times when you're you're shouting and nobody sees you. It's like in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids when they're when they're super tiny and they're shouting, Dad, I'm right here, or, you know, whatever. Uh, that movie with Matthew McConaughey, that weird time-traveling space movie where nobody understands. I think it's – I don't remember. Whatever. that You know the movie where, you know, he's seeing – his 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 daughter interact with him in the past, and he's trying to shout at himself. Or when someone's a ghost, like in uh, Bill, Bill Murray, before he got involved in the inappropriate conduct, Bill Murray in the movie Scrooged, he's trying to shout out his past. I'm shouting at the phone. I said, take my call. And again, I did, and I know, it's my own fault. It's fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm writing out quote. I'm writing out all sorts of things I'm going to bring up in this call. All sorts of things. I had sound effects ready. I had different callers that I was going to call out by name. I was making. I was going to make historical allusions. And I'm. And and as I'm doing it, I realize how insane this is. I, I said I'm. I'm right now doing a whole show just to go on the air with Curtis. I said this is my one day off of the year, of the week. And I am right now spending it, instead of sleeping, doing show prep for a call to Curtis. When, as evidenced by that fella Craig, the 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 IQ of the average Curtis overnight listener is struggling to approach triple digits. So I I realize it's insane. But at this point, I've now been on hold for 45 minutes. I can't hang up now. Uh, surely they'll get to me. Surely they'll get to me. So I call from another phone line, and it's busy. So, all right, maybe the phones are jammed. I'll keep waiting. I'll keep waiting. So I call back a few minutes later from another phone line. And, it, and it, again, this whole time he's talking about me. I, and I call back from another phone line. Now it's ringing. I see there's open lines. There's only eight lines. So I, clearly I'm one of seven people at most that's, that's on hold. Take my call. Take my call. So, lo and behold, and, and I mean, look, I am getting some work done. I'm reading some articles as I'm on hold with Curtis. But it's so frustrating. It was, it's so incredibly frustrating. And I'm reading uh, different articles. I'm making note after note based on everything Curtis says, based on everything the callers say. And I ultimately look at the clock. It's now 530 in the morning. 5.30 in the morning. I've been on hold for two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. This is unbelievable. I said, this is insane. I said, I have to cut my losses. And now I'm actually really tired again. I said, I have to cut my losses and try to go back to sleep. And I did. I really ticked off as can be. See, what happened was I heard my son Carmine crying around 3.30. So I ran ran to the refrigerator, got his bottle, ran up to his room so that he wouldn't wake my wife up, fed him, changed him, burped him, all, like, doing speed. And, and I'm, I'm saying to the kid, all right, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. If they go to me, I left my landline on hold. You know, in, if they go to me, I didn't want to miss the call where he says, hey, let's go to that Mama Luke Frank in Staten Island. And then I, I'm not there. So... I, 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 all right, come on, come on, eat, 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 eat. Okay, burp, 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 uh, chain, burp, back, back to bed, back to bed with you, back to crib. So I then run downstairs, and I see they haven't gotten to my call yet. I'm still on hold. Still. So 5.30 in the morning, I cut my losses. Really, I got to tell you, genuinely frustrated. 
wow, wow, that wow. Curtis wouldn't take my call because it would have been a very good radio. I had funny stuff planned. I had substantive stuff planned. These idiots okay. like Craig that listened to Curtis would have learned a thing or two. Um, then I, I go to bed, and thankfully, you know, the, the Cats Roundtable – uh, I wasn't on the Cats Roundtable on Sunday morning because it was Greek Easter. So it was mostly highlights of uh, things that were recorded uh, that didn't involve me. Uh, so I didn't have to get up super early to do the Cats Roundtable. I slept until 9. But I was tired the whole day because I was waiting on hold to be on with Curtis. It was really irritating. So Curtis comes off the air two and a half hours ago. First thing I do is confront him. And I said, Curtis, you know, what's the story here? And look, I knew Curtis a long time, close to 20 years. What's the story? And he says, oh, well, you know, I I, I, I asked Avery, Avery, the phone screener, I, should I take his call? And he said, no, leave him on hold. So this phone screener, the same guy that just hung up on me two weeks before that, told Curtis not to go to my call and to add injury to insult. Oh. Now, I'm stuck with him today as our phone screener. So, Avery, what do you have to say for yourself? Mm-hmm. Silence is deafening. Sorry, go ahead. Which one? Hello? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. What was the question again? Why didn't you take my call? You really think that on Curtis's show, it was my job to decide who he took, who, what That's call fair. he took. That's fair. Okay, so you're denying Curtis's version of events. I won't confirm or deny. Uh, <laughs> get this guy out of here. We're sending him back to Curtis. I don't want to see him tomorrow. By the way, uh, for people that are calling in at uh, 800-848-WABC, uh, apparently the new station policy is uh, that we don't take anonymous phone calls. So if you're calling cause you, and your number's blocked from caller ID and you're wondering why no one's picking you up, I think you have to press star 82, either star 82 or star, I think it's star 82 or star 67 before you call us so that we can see who you are. Uh, so this way we can limit the number of, of anonymous crackpots. We're welcoming still to crackpots, but you just have to be a known crackpot, not an unknown crackpot. Uh, let's say hello to Tom in the Bronx on that note. Hello, Tom. Yeah. Yes, hi, hi, Frank. Tom. Yes. I'd like to say I heard the, uh, I heard you talk about the woman whose son supposedly didn't get enough food in the cafeteria. Yeah, what's school? your take on that? Yeah, well, uh, well, first of all, You've, uh, they probably have a certain portion they give. He probably wanted extra food for, uh, for nothing. And you have to pay when you're getting your meal, obviously, right? I don't know the policy in, in Cocoa, Florida. Here in New York, for instance, it's free, but, uh, I don't really, I don't know the policy I, I over remember there. remember when I, I was in school, yeah, there they was a lunch line and, uh, you uh, you paid for what you bought, you know. Yeah, well, that was the case when I was in school too. But now there's been a movement towards free lunch. But I, I think you know, even if even if that's the case, um, you know, maybe you make him bring the money tomorrow. I mean, if it's kids, if a kid really wants food at lunch, give him some food. 
Yeah. Anyway, look, let me say this too. You do scientific, um, you do scientific reports, you know, and I'd like to see you do a report on sea vegetables. Get somebody who's an, uh, an expert on that. And there are a lot of hungry people in the world. Maybe some islands and stuff uh, can benefit from sea vegetables if the vegetable. Uh, that's not a bad suggestion, there, Tom. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the, the, the sea vegetables uh, take in the ocean water, or they have roots that can eliminate the salt out of the water. It's osmosis that kills a lot of the the roots of, of different plants. See, now in um, in Mexico and in, in, uh, in uh, California, Mexico, they the farmers down there years ago was said to to uh, they actually irrigated their crops with ocean water because they didn't have enough fresh water. All right. So the ocean was. So they said, "What what plants survive, survive." Yeah. Now, if right. they keep if they keep doing that, they'll have uh, plant, uh, vegetables with root systems. That's that's good to know, Tom. To that's good to know. Thank you. Thank the, you very much. The thank, ocean water. thank you. Uh, Bob Grant doesn't know what he was missing with that enzyme book. I'll tell you. All right. Um, oh, by the way, I, I'm, a lot of people were commenting on that case that uh, Tom brought to our attention on Friday of uh, the Silvermans, a lot of people in the Facebook group talking about the case. So if you want to weigh in on that case that Tom brought up Friday, join the Facebook group. Just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. By the way, I still see people, some people um, trying to call in from an anonymous number. And um, we're not going to take the call. That's the directive from management. So just press star 82 before you dial. 800-848-9222. Ina is in Manhattan. Hello, Ina. Hi, Frank. How are you? How was your weekend? It, do, it was wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes. First, let me ask you. Did you give the baby cold milk from the fridge? Yes. You don't warm it? No, no. He drank oh, it. Oh, you should uh, no, you know what happened was we were warming it. We had a bottle warmer and everything. And yes. then um, my thinking was that if we're ever in a position, I don't want him getting used to the warm milk if, if, if he will drink cold milk. Because right. my thinking was if we're ever in a position where we can't heat up his bottle, I want him to be comfortable, um, you know, drinking the cold milk. And he turned out to really like it. And I told my wife she didn't believe me. And then she tried it and she found that I was correct. So we give him we made the transition to cold milk now. Yes. A lot of people do that. one, And it's, and it's good that he, he, he adjusts to it. That's nice. Anyway, what I call is about Curtis. I think Curtis love you and you love Curtis. You make a lot of jo- jokes. Some of them is is kind of serious, but you know, don't 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 take it. I do love it. Curtis, but he should have taken my yes. call, Ina. Yes, yes, I know. And I, I I was listening to to what he was saying last night, and I couldn't get through. I fall asleep twice. Yeah, well, I, I can understand why listening to certain other shows might put you to sleep, Ina. I can understand that. <laughs> what you should do. Sit him on Sid Rosenberg. 
Let him straighten out Sudorism. That's an like idea. That's an idea. Yeah. Thank you, Ian. Okay. Appreciate it very sure. much. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. Sylvia's in Brooklyn. Hello, Sylvia. Yes. Sylvia, do me a better, can, can, Sylvia, Sylvia, can you turn your radio off, please? We'll come back to you in a second. Turn, turn your radio off. Uh, see, you can tell it's one of Curtis's screeners we got tonight. Craig is in Connecticut. Hello, Craig. Hey, Mr. Moron, how are you? Uh, I, I'm doing fine talking to a class act like you, Craig. You know, I, I'm smarter than you. You want to do the uh, alphabet backwards, Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T? SR, I worked for Rush Limbaugh, you idiot. All right, well, uh, I appreciate immediately makes you I'm smarter. smarter than you. I, I know, you I, stole, I can, you I can tell. You stole that soupy sales bit. You have no original ideas. You, you and Moody, that scumbag call screener. Well, uh, you got no argument from me. Uh, now, um, Craig, can we give you a basic American citizenship test and see how intelligent you actually are? I'm not going to waste my time. You, you, Your kid autistic or retarded? <laughs> hey, screw not. Well, thankfully, he's neither at the moment. Do you want to? Do you want to try and take a citizenship test? No. Do you want to count the freckles on my ass? Well, I, you can't. I don't think you could say wow. that, Craig. But just keep it above board. You know. Well, why? You know. Uh, I don't know why you have All to. All I want to say is, listen. You're nothing. You're an overnight. You know, six hundred dollar an hour DJ who couldn't get the morning show. Six hundred dollars an hour. I wish I was making six hundred dollars an hour. Believe me, that would be quite a you're raise. Really? Six, you're not making six hundred an hour. I'm not making anywhere near six hundred. My brother-in-law worked at the radio station <laughs> up the street no. from you, and he was getting six hundred dollars an hour. Wow! And what that's what like did he do? Ten years ago. What did he do? Mike West. Well, what did he do there? A DJ. Oh, well, that's uh, that's pretty good. God bless him. Anyways, just keep your mouth shut. Don't talk about me anymore, okay? Craig, I will endeavor to do just that. I appreciate the call and the and the kindness with which you delivered your remarks. Very intelligent Stop as always. Dick. Oh, see that? You can't say. See, I have to dump him now. See, I would have kept him on, but... Uh, he uh, had to get all crude. Sylvia is in Brooklyn. Hello, Sylvia. Yes, I, I raised five children, mm. and mm. I'm an old woman. I'm 95, and I wanted to give you uh, at just two things, advice. One, ignore Curtis. You have to learn how to ignore people. And number two, don't give the baby cold milk. Why not? Always warm it up, okay? How come? But because you got excited and upset because of what Curtis was saying, that's why you just grabbed the milk and gave it to him. But, well, no, 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 but we uh, we always give him cold milk. No, it's not good for his stomach. Don't do that. Don't ever do I, Well, that. I, I think, you know, I've seen I contrary... Children. Uh, well, well, this I week had... I believe you, Sylvia. But um, and uh, uh, this week we're going to start giving him cereal anyway. Yeah, but they just warm the milk a little. It's not good for his little stomach. He'll get sick. But because you were upset, 
because of what Curtis, you have to learn to ignore ignorance. All right. Well, that's good advice, Sylvia, for anybody. All right. Okay. Thank you, Sylvia. Appreciate it. You too. Um, and by the way, I still see people trying to call in under an anonymous number. Just press star, star six, seven before you dial. Um, even Craig, uh, who's clearly no brain surgeon, was able to figure out how to operate a telephone while unblocking his number. So, so go ahead and call in star. Uh, no, star, it's star eight two, star eight two. That's the code. Star six, seven to, to block yourself. So plus star eight two, then one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano, eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Straight ahead. WABC. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find, and they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. This is Patience, Guns N' Roses. I've always had a thing for songs that have whistling. Any song with whistling, doesn't matter the genre. Rock, country, uh, hip-hop, any song that has whistling, I, I'm such a sucker for it, honestly. Can't help myself. 800-848-9222. Where are the good old days of only Chris from the Catskills being my heckler? Uh, although that was an unusual heckler. It was a heckler who thinks that I'm making substantially more money than I actually am, uh, which is fine. Uh, Tommy's in Brooklyn. Hello, Tommy. Hey, good morning, Frank. How morning. you doing? Great. Uh, I, 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 listen, I, 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 uh, I wish uh, I could bucks an hour. That would be great. But so, I, don't have a, I, only have, I only have the face for radio. Not yeah, I, I, you know, honestly, I, again, I don't know what everybody makes here, but I don't think any of us are making $600 an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was just saying cold milk is fun. Um, it, it's an old school trick. I mean, it's an old school thing that you're supposed to warm up the bottle. Right. I fed both of my kids cold milk when, as soon as they were able to tolerate it. And uh, it's fun. And, the, and they, 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 they both survived, thankfully. Yeah, they both survived. All right. Well, good. All right. I feel good about I that. Like, yeah. I would like to say, uh, talk about, uh, not talk about, I'd just like to say about uh, Firefighter Klein. I, I would like to keep him in, in, keep him and his family in your prayers. Absolutely. Everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and I, and I and I think yours and Curtis's banter is great. I, I just love it. I well, listen to both your shows, and it's great. I would say you're half right, Tommy. Thank you, appreciate it. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. So that was Saturday, uh, Saturday night into Sunday, um, where I spent most of my day holding for uh, for Curtis. And then um, Saturday was an interesting day. So we hosted this ping pong tournament. I really like ping pong, but am, you know, a mediocre player, run the mill. 
And I figured, you know, we, we have people come over to play once in a while. Why don't we host a tournament? So we put together this double elimination 18-person tournament. And as I knew would happen, day of, a couple of people back out, so we made it a 16-person double elimination tournament. A lot of really interesting people. My brother Alexander played. Um, the uh, owner of Williamsburg Pizza, Kyle O'Brien played. Council Minority Leader Joe Borelli played. Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis played. And so I tried to make seeds based on how I thought how good how good everyone was. And uh, my friend Kara, who works for Nicole, she was the best player I'd ever played with. So I seeded her first, seeded my brother Alex second. And, you know, I'm not going to – I'll spare you where everybody landed. But there's this fella, Tony, who listens to this show. And when I started talking about ping pong – he lives not far from me. When I started talking about ping pong a few months ago, he emailed me. He said, oh, if you want, I play a little bit and – um you know, uh, we can play together if you want on Saturdays. You could practice with me so that you could beat Joe Borelli. Because Joe Borelli is my normal Saturday ping pong pugilist. So, lo and behold, Tony was totally downplaying his ping pong ability. He was acting like he's an average player. He was acting like he's like me. So, I invite Tony to this tournament thinking he's an average player and seating him as such. And then, you know, I scheduled the um I scheduled the the tournament based on the seeds. And he's he ends up playing somebody in the first round, he wins, he advances to the second round, play my brother Alexander. Now, Alexander is a phenomenal ping pong player. I expected him to finish second in this tournament. And so I didn't even bother sticking around for this game. Because I figured, oh, you know, we had the table in the basement and we had refreshments upstairs. As people would get eliminated, they'd hang out upstairs. And there were a couple of people who came that weren't even in the tournament. And I was trying to put the fight on, but they were going to charge me $70 for this Tyson Fury fight. And I said, first of all, I'm a little tapped for cash because I'm not making the kind of money that Craig in Connecticut thinks that I am. I said, do I really want to spend $70 that I don't really have on a fight that People are going to, at best, pay passing attention to. So I didn't end up purchasing it. So we had on the Yankee game or something. And there's people upstairs. As they get eliminated, they go upstairs. And I went upstairs when it was time for Tony to play Alexander. Because I didn't even think it was going to be competitive. And I updated the bracket before even watching the match. I said, okay, Alex is definitely going to win. I'll move him to the next round. Turns out. Tony wins. I said, I said, Alex, did you let him win? He says, no, he's just really good. And sure enough, Tony goes through all the best players in this tournament. He ends up meeting Alexander, my brother Alexander, again in the finals. And keep in mind, it's double elimination. So Tony hasn't been defeated yet. Tony has got to beat Alex once. And Alexander just needs to beat Tony, has to beat Tony twice. They meet it in the finals. Alexander beats him twice. And he wins our prize, which because we're on a budget, we gave him, we, the prize was a giant jar of pickles. Because uh, my friend King Henry, who's the Brooklyn Cyclones on field MC, he, when Rachel was pregnant, gave her a giant jar of pickles 
which we didn't end up getting to. So we figured we'd make that the prize because people that are good at ping pong are generally good at pickleball. And I figured that's an appropriate, you know, appropriate thing as anything. So Alexander wins the giant jar of pickles. And then Tony tells me at the end of the tournament, I played left-handed the whole time. And he's a righty. Really? So this guy was like a total ping pong ringer. So now I'm going to try and play with him all the time because now I see how good he is. And I'm going to, you know, kind of practice with him and try and get some lessons from him because he does live so close by. But it was a, it was a really fun time. A good time was had by all. And uh, initially we said we were going to make it an annual thing, but everyone had such a good time. Maybe we'll make it a biannual thing. So uh, we'll see. I said maybe we'll do bocce in the summer and ping pong in the spring. I think that's a better thing. Otherwise, it gets too much. If you do biannual tournaments. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, all right, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. You hear that laugh there? That that laugh that Matt just played. <laughs> now, I know wrestling fans will recognize that. That laugh is from none other than the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. Now, Ted DiBiase was probably one of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time. A you know, his father was a wrestler and his son was a wrestler and really a heck of a nice guy. Really nothing like his on-screen persona. But I just, um, yeah, when when Rachel was pregnant with Carmine, the one thing that I wanted on his, on her registry was a million-dollar man Ted DiBiase outfit. So, yesterday was his first day wearing his Million Dollar Man onesie. <laughs> and those of you that remember the Million Dollar Man, he his main outfit was a black outfit, like a black tuxedo with dollar signs. But he also would, on occasion, wear a white outfit. So this onesie, is the Million Dollar Man onesie that we got, is a white outfit. So we got we, – we, I just posted on my Facebook page – at Facebook.com slash MoranoFam. Side to side, my son Carmine in his white million-dollar man outfit and the actual million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, with his white million-dollar man outfit. So if you want to see the side-by-side comparison, you can tell me who you think wore it better, Carmine William Morano or Ted DiBiase, 800-848-9222. I was trying to explain... To both my wife and my son, so much of what made Ted DiBiase so great, neither of them cared. And then so I found this documentary about Ted DiBiase called The Price of Fame, which we started watching. It was great. We didn't finish it because I don't have time to blow my nose, let alone watch something. But I saw the first half hour. It looked great. And I can't wait to see the rest of it. Hey, commendations coming up in just a minute. In the meantime, until next hour, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Good morning, everybody. This is The Other Side of Midnight, as we do each and every Monday. Monday, right? Yeah. 
We will tell you who is in need, or at least deserving, of a pat on the back, and who is... On Fridays, we go the other way. We tell you who's worthy of a denunciation. It is once again time for us to recognize the people that deserve a little recognition. It is time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents... Commendations. I really must begin, at the risk of being repetitive, with a sincere commendation for my brother Alexander Marco Morano. He is his athleticism in winning this ping pong tournament. We called it the first annual Madeline Kahn Memorial Frank Morano Invitational Ping Pong Tournament. Was phenomenal phenomenal as we were going over the brackets all right so i have to win four straight games at this point in order to win yes and that means he had to win i think he had to win a total of either six games or seven games i think for him it was seven because he lost one and so he ended up in the losers bracket this is phenomenal i did not think he was going to beat cara born and country and he did so a, a sincere commendation to my brother alex not only a gifted chess player but uh, an incredible musician and great ping pong player. I'm glad he's my son's uh, godfather. Otherwise, if he lost to Tony, I was going to have to make Tony our son's godfather. I want to give a commendation to Roki Sasaki. This fella, a Japanese baseball player, is incredible. This is a phenom. He's only 20 years old, and... If this guy doesn't get hurt, he may become one of the greatest pitchers of all time. So he plays um, for the, in, in Japan, obviously, the Chibalote Marines. He threw 17 consecutive perfect innings. If you're not a baseball fan, that means not only did he throw a no-hitter plus eight innings, but he didn't walk anyone or hit anyone with a pitch or let anyone reach on an error. 17 consecutive perfect innings? This is incredible. And they pulled him. He could have thrown two straight perfect games. He has not allowed an opposing hitter to reach base in a record 52 consecutive plate appearances. Through four starts this season, the guy has a, a an ERA of 1.16. I mean, this guy can play for any Major League Baseball team tomorrow and probably name his price. As And as Ted DiBiase will tell you, any, every man has his price. I want to I want to commend Kurt Russell, no, not the actor who played the Snake Bliskin. I want to commend Kurt Russell, the teacher in Ohio. He is someone that was born to be a history teacher. He was raised on his mother's stories about segregation and civil rights movement in Alabama. And he was influenced by teachers from his childhood. He's now 50 years old. And he has spent the last 25 years teaching history and African-American history at Oberlin High School outside of Cleveland. And um, the Council of Chief State School Officers announced on Tuesday that Russell is the organization's National Teacher of the Year 
for 2022. You know, athletes so often get recognized, movie stars get recognized, media personalities. It's the teachers that really are um, doing the work that is responsible for everything else. So I have uh, no problem recognizing the National Teacher of the Year. I want to commend my friend, Assemblyman Michael Cusick. Uh, Not only is he retiring at the end of this term, but he... We, he and I had dinner on Thursday or Wednesday of last week, and he bought dinner. Very nice. So we had a nice dinner at the Anadel Terrace, and he paid. And that's the quickest way to get a commendation in my book, is to buy dinner. And I have to give a commendation to Sean Hannity. I think if you've heard me speak of Hannity before, you know I'm not the biggest fan of his work, either on TV or radio. But look, you can't, you can't question the kind of success that he's had. And as of last week, he is now officially the longest-running primetime cable news host in TV history. On April 21st, he marked 25 consecutive years, 6 months and 15 days at the helm of a primetime cable news program, breaking the previous record held by the late CNN talk icon Larry King. This is an incredible record. 25 years straight... On five nights a week in prime time. You know, people always love to talk about what records will never be broken. This is a record that may never be broken. Because tastes today are so fickle that to have this kind of rating success and this kind of influence for any amount of time is impressive. But to do it for 25 years, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I want to commend Washington State. According to U.S. News and World Report, Washington State has finished number one as the best state to live in the entire country. There are several different metrics, crime, opportunity, natural environment, education, economy, and health care. And across the board, Washington State really did very, very well. So uh, I think that's great. I want to commend, this is a posthumous commendation, kind of sad actually, but I want to give a posthumous commendation to former Utah Senator Orrin Hatch, the longest-serving senator in Utah's history, the personification of the American dream. The son of a carpenter and a plaster latherer, um, he overcame poverty to become not just uh, a United States senator, but one of the most influential U.S. senators in the entire country. Whatever you felt about his politics, this is someone who was a class act, a deeply religious man, a hard worker, a guy who was jovial, who had a great sense of humor and who had a lot of relationships across the aisle. You know who one of his best friends were was? Was Ted Kennedy. And they did not let their political differences jeopardize their friendship. And he worked with Ted Kennedy on legislation as well. They worked together to pass the Children's Health Insurance Program. Worked with other Democrats like Tom Harkin to pass the uh, Americans with Disability Act. 
And he just retired last year, or I guess two years ago, because Willard Mitt Romney took his seat. And, um, you know, somebody that is really going to be missed by, I think, his colleagues and his family. I want to commend the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. We are rapidly approaching opening day a week from Tuesday. I'm going to be there. This is the baseball team um, on Staten Island. But the reason I'm commending them is because I love what they are doing. I, they announced this weekend that they are going to be doing a Harbor Hero program in which one civil servant or community volunteer is going to be honored at each home game as the Harbor Hero of the game. It's similar to the veteran of the game that the Mets currently run. And uh, Harbor Hero is was one of the finalists for the team name. And they're going to use that name as a way to honor the incredible service and the volunteerism culture on Staten Island. So if you want to nominate someone for this uh, Harbor Hero program, you can go to ferryhawks.com. And there's instructions on there. But I think this is wonderful. I wish every baseball team, major league, independent league, minor league, whatever, would do something similar and honor some of the heroes in in their community. I want to commend the uh, appellate division in, which department is this? The appellate division in New York State. Um, I'll, I'll get the district, but. You know, I don't know how closely you've been following this gerrymandering lawsuit, but and and again, it's terrible when Republicans do it, too. Um, But the Democrats in New York right now are engaging in a one of the worst gerrymanders. This is already a one party state. This will make this a one party dominant state, the likes of which we've never seen. Um. So a judge in a Republican county, they ruled to throw these maps out and the legislature has to either come up with new maps or there's going to be or the judge said, I'll appoint an independent referee to draw these maps. Everyone said, oh, it's the most Republican district in the state. They're going to appeal this to the appellate division and then the gerrymandered maps will hold. Well, they went to the appellate division and they found that the, the appellate division found... Now, I don't agree completely with their decision, but they agreed that the congressional lines are, in fact, gerrymandered. And the appellate division also threw out the gerrymandered line. So now the Democrats are appealing to this, to the... Court of Appeals, which is the highest state or the highest court that we have in New York State. But I try not to do this and give commendations just to judges or courts that I agree with. But what, why I feel the need to commend them is because these judges did the right thing regardless of party. This is a, a division of judges, five-member panel, majority of which are Democrats, these judges. And even though they're Democrats, these judges didn't go along with what would help the Democrats. They went along with what the law clearly states. 
which is that these are gerrymandered lines. Now, he didn't. The, the panel did not throw out the assembly district lines and the Senate district lines, which makes no sense to me. And I've read the decision now twice. I still don't get it. I guess because some assembly Republicans voted in favor of those lines. They're saying that, oh, it's not purely gerrymandered, but it's it is the same process. It was just really, really silly. But um, whether I agree with the decision or not, this was a decision that went against their party's political interests. And I think they deserve some credit for it. And finally, while I didn't watch the fight, I did pay quite close attention to the boxing match between Tyson Fury and Dillian White. This took place in the U.K., in London. Tyson Fury won, retaining the WBA title, heavyweight championship, uh, with a TKO of Dillian White. Now Tyson Fury is indicating he's ready to retire. He said this could have been the final fight of his Hall of Fame career. See, now I wish I would have watched it. WBC championship, excuse me. 94,000 fans packed into Wembley Stadium to watch this fight. I can't even imagine how many people watched it around the world. Um, amazing career. If this is the end for Tyson Fury, um, I, and I, I like that he's retiring while he can still function. The last thing I like to see is a boxer stay too long in the field and get hit in the head too many times and do irreparable damage to his health. So uh, to his health. So he's retiring supposedly at 33 years old. So who knows? Maybe it will be the end. But um his quote was I've given 20 years to boxing, amateur and professional. I've had my brains I've had me brains knocked out. I've been put down, I've been rocked, I've been cut, I've had tough fights. I've had draws, I've had wins, I've boxed all over the world. How much blood can you get out of a stone? Look, it sounds like this might be the right time for him to retire. 32 wins in his career, zero losses, one draw, 23 knockouts. Amazing. He was competing for the first time since uh, his very violent victory over Dante Wilder in October that was named by ESPN as the fight of the year. So, I mean, part of me would love to see him fight Dante Wilder one more time, but for his own health, I think it's probably best that he hang him up, hang up the gloves. All right, uh, that concludes this uh, this week's list of commendations, and I'll reiterate my 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 fondness for our former producer, Molly, who has decided to move on to Greener Pastures. We wish her the best, and she's certainly deserving of a commendation as well. 800-848-9222. I'm not sure who will take her place permanently, but uh, but who knows? We'll see. 800-848-9222 if you have any comments on my commendations. There are eight, count them, eight open lines. They're all yours. Uh, Don't call from an anonymous number. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. W-A-B-C. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Baby, here I 
Charles and Mama, I'm sure all the hand and I just around. Hard to Handle by the Black Crows. Uh, if you ever want to know what music we play on this show, uh, we post it every day in the Facebook group. So all you have to do is search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. And uh, you can participate in the conversations about this show and see the music that, um, the music that um, we play. Now... Um, by the way, uh, on the Facebook page right now, if you go to Facebook.com slash MoranoFan, you will see the side-by-side comparison of my son Carmine dressed in Ted DiBiase's outfit and Ted DiBiase. So there you have it. All right. Um, one quick story I wanted to bring to your attention, and then we'll get to the phones. Uh, seven open phone lines right now if you want to jump on board. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. You might remember on Friday I told you about this this meteor that crashed in uh, the Pacific Ocean back in twenty fourteen, and they just confirmed, you know, last week, basically seven years later, that it was in fact a meteor. Well, remember Avi Loeb? Avi Loeb is a Harvard professor, an astrophysicist, a top scientist, one of the top scientists in the world. He's been a guest on this show, of course, and he was the one that claimed that the the Amuamua comet or meteor, I don't remember which one it is, that that was potentially alien technology. And Dr. Sky is coming on this show Thursday morning, and I'm going to ask him about this. Listen to this. Um, a top scientist, this is from the, the Sun, a top scientist is plotting to find what he believes is alien technology lying at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. Controversial astrophysicist Avi Loeb an inter- believes an interstellar object that crash-landed on Earth in 2014 was some sort of a spacecraft. A U.S. Space Command report released last week confirmed what I just told you, that the object was from another star system. The agency concluded that the projectile, which streaked across the sky off the coast of Manus Island in Papua New Guinea, was a meteor. Professor Loeb, however, is having none of it. He claimed on Wednesday that the object could have been built by extraterrestrials. And again, this is not some toothless meth addict that is the product whose parents are cousins. This is a Harvard astronomer. Quote, is what he wrote in an essay. Our discovery of an interstellar meteor heralds a new research frontier. The fundamental question is whether any interstellar meteor might indicate a composition that is unambiguously artificial in origin. Better still, perhaps some technological components would survive the impact. Now, Professor Loeb has spent, and maybe we'll try and get him back on this show, because he was great when he was on the show. Professor Loeb has spent decades studying astronomy, and more recently has trained his sights on the possibility 
that life exists beyond Earth. His bold claims frequently make headlines, and he's faced a lot of criticism, including from some of you. And more recently, he's trained his sights on the possibility that life exists beyond Earth. So working with a student at Harvard, Professor Loeb was actually the astronomer who identified the object as interstellar a few years ago. The pair wrote a paper, but, uh, but they were instructed not to publish it because they used classified government data for their research. After the U.S. Space Command confirmed their hunch on April 7th, Loeb is now calling for an expedition to find whatever's left of that object. I would say we should. Wouldn't you? Uh, In his essay, he noted that a retrieval expedition could be achieved using scooping magnets to explore the 10-square-kilometer region of the Pacific Ocean where the object is thought to have landed. My dream is to press some buttons on a functional piece of equipment that was manufactured outside of Earth. You're not the only one. 800-848-WABC. Wide open phone lines if you want to jump on board. Gary is in the Bronx. Hello, Gary. Hey, how are you, Frank? Doing great. Thank you. Okay. uh, I just want to comment on uh, um, Dillian White and uh, Tyson Fury. And I was actually rooting for Dillian White. Do you know why? No, tell me. He's actually from Brixton. Ah, and, um, very interesting. Yeah. Yes. And, and again, I, as I tried to explain to you before, it, it's the Harlem of Europe, you know. Uh, but uh, Tyson Fury, he, he deserved to win. Um, it was a good win. Uh, it was a great uppercut. And... Um, Dillian was really trying to bully him up, and he had him on the ropes. Have you ever been to Wembley Arena? No. No, I've never been there. It's an an amazing venue. Just the architectural value of it is just fantastic. And seeing as um, we're on the topic of sports, I need to ask you, I tried to call you back, but I couldn't get through a few nights ago. Um, uh, you, You gave a comment about the two sportsmen that were banned from the marathon. Uh, Do you still feel the same way that you did before? Yes. I don't think we should ban uh, athletes based on the country they come from. No, unless the athlete is the um, unless the athlete is responsible for the war or uh, participating in the war in some way, carrying out war crimes or or launching missiles against innocent people or anything like that. And then, no, I don't think we should be um, I don't think we should be having blanket bans on athletes. No. Right. I believe it was an athlete from Russia and one from Hungary, was it? Belarus. Belarus, right. Okay, well, this is, this is the thing. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, um, I'm just guessing here. Look, as innocent as we feel towards those athletes from Russia and Belarus, I need you to understand clearly, once they arrive here, they become a liability the security risk for them increases exponentially, not just for them, but for the event. They become a target. They could be set up, sabotaged, so it appears that we did something to them, and it could be a catalyst for an international incident. Well, I understand that. That's a legitimate point. 
I, um, you know, I, I hear you. I, I don't, uh, that's a fair point. You if, know. Somebody, if somebody threw a bottle at one of them and it hit them in the head, something as simple right. as that, it could actually escalate into an incredible situation. Yep. So I think they voided them from the venue, not to obstruct them from the participation, but from the political ramifications and outcomes that could potentially is the well, risk. Yeah, Gary, in, in other words. Yeah, I mean, the way I view it, and I think the international sports, not only the best Boston Marathon people, but the folks running the ten- tennis tournament, I think it's at Wimbledon, the way I view it is they did this to punish Russia. But I don't think Vladimir Putin cares mu- that much whether his, a- his athletes can participate in the Boston Marathon. Gary, thank you for the call. I'm going to try and get into to a few other people. 800-848-9222. Uh, Ralph is in New Jersey. Hello, Ralph. Okay. Uh, there are two people that I would like to believe this recommendation. Uh, Elon Musk for his airport uh, and endeavor regarding uh, Twitter. This just in for so the New York Times online edition, 425-22. Twitter is advanced stock to sell itself to Elon Musk. Okay, so this uh, has to appear on the uh, print edition uh, today. Okay, and also Emmanuel Macron deserved a big hurry, a big commendation for pulling off a, was it a significant victory in my opinion? Uh, it, uh, well, again, we're still it, counting it is, votes, right? but it okay. looks like he got about 58% of the vote. Okay, so that's a significant victory. Uh, shout out, commendation, vive le France to <laughs> Emmanuel Macron. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yes, congratulations to the re-elected incumbent president of France, re-elected for a five-year term, e- even though he has a 36% approval rating. You you figure it out, folks. You figure it out. Al is in Manhattan. Hello, Al. Hello, Frank. We meet again. We do no. indeed, Al. We do indeed. Indeed we do. So I was, I'm not sure if I was daydreaming because I make deliveries at nighttime and I, I kind of go off on my own little thing. Did I hear correctly that on April 24th, this big thing was going to happen? And then again on May 1st and May 15th, or was I daydreaming? Okay, I think you're talking about my conversation with Dr. Turi um, earlier in the week, which I think they actually replayed a portion of on Saturday. Did we replay that on Saturday, the Dr. Turi interview? I, I know I heard the Amy, um, the Amy title interview. Uh, thank you, by the way, Matt Place, for editing that. So what he predicted, and I wrote this down, and May 15th, we're going to l- look at all the results. This is what he predicted. April 24th, that was yesterday, news involving a cyber attack. Definitely cosmic news, anything from a solar ray or airplane crash. That's what he said on April 24th. May 1st, he said dramatic news related to Russia. And May 15th, he said a serious dance of evil involving Russia. Life, death, crazy people, cops being shot, or police killing innocent people. That's what he said. So, did anything happen on April 24th? Well, I mean, things happened, but it depends if you think anything happened that fits that description. I would say, and look, we're going to invite him back on May 15th to review all these predictions. I would say no. I mean, there were no plane crashes yesterday. I didn't see any um, major cyber attacks. The closest there was, there was an article in The Hill 
that appeared that uh, that said Russia was going to use cyber attacks. But I would say no. I would say that's a, a failed prediction at this point. But I'm going to invite him back on May 15th and we'll let him, you know, if he has a spin that something did actually happen, we'll see what he says. But I would say no. Well, I'm going to be paying close attention to this. Now, you said, I think you said a little while ago that Miss Molly left now. She's not with you anymore. She Yes, I, I mentioned that at the beginning of the show. Yes, she is. Uh, she's moving on. I don't know um, what I'm supposed to say about her her new career or if what she's doing now is what she's going to be doing, but uh, she you, she's she'll always be welcome here if she ever wants to come back. She'll always be welcome. Did you see this coming, or was this planned, or just happened? Uh, like- well, I, you know, I, I don't want to get into too much of our private conversations, but I knew she had a tough time with these hours. Right, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. You're telling me, man. You're telling me. I know. Well, take care of yourself, and remember until we meet again. Well, you too, my friend. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Dave is in Dumont, New Jersey. Hello, Dave. Hey, Frank. How you doing? I'm great. How you doing? <laughs> Thank you. Good. Glad to hear it. I want to talk about wrestling, pro wrestling. I know you're a wrestling fan. Okay. Um, obviously, uh, it's uh, unfortunate that Scott Hall, uh, Razor Ramon, aka Razor Ramon. He started wrestling late at like 32 or 33 years old. He got, uh, he came out in 1992 in the WWE as Razor Ramon. That was yeah, but he wrestled as Diamond Stud in WCW before that, and then he wrestled as as under a bunch of other names in the AWA uh, before that. Okay, so, so he, you know more than I do. No, he debuted way back in 1984. He, oh, okay. Uh, so he was, uh, I guess, what was that? He was 23. Around there, 23 okay. or so. Well, he came to stardom when he got in the WWE in 92, 93, when he... Yeah, 91. Or 91, when, when he got his, uh, his character they created for him in the WWE, Razor Ramon, and he had the signature toothpick. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, I they, they don't tell us, you know, you don't hear about Dick Sharp, remember the uh, the sports commentator, Dick Sharp? I do. Yeah, he died from complications of hip surgery 20 years ago. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, and the thing is, is that Scott Hall died of complications from hip surgery. Rowdy Roddy Piper had hip surgery, hip you, replacement you surgery. Know, that's, a, that's a good point. My friend Sal had hip surgery I think he has hip surgery today. I better give him a call. A lot of these, a lot of people die from hip surgery, I and mean, you could sue the doctor. That's malpractice. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Malpractice. You're exactly right, Dave. But anyway, uh, what else I wanted to point out was I'm into the old time wrestlers. And right, I used same. To go in in New Jersey here when they wrestled. The Dave, Eyes Dave, what is that clicking on your phone? I don't know. I don't hear anything. I'm on a landline phone. I wish I could say the same thing. But go ahead. What were you gonna what were you gonna say? Yeah. I'm into now I hear a beeping noise. Yeah, no, I think that's Matt Play's giving you a hard hard time. Matt is giving me a hard time? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into the old time wrestlers. You know, back from like uh two thousand five and back. Okay. You know. And I used to go down when they wrestled at the Izod Center. When that was open, 
and I got pictures with many wrestlers in the hotels that they stayed at, and there's a go-go bar slash restaurant that they all go to and get their food in Elizabeth after they're done wrestling. And uh, you would see all the wrestlers there. All of them would be there in the go-go bar or getting something to eat at the uh, at the diner out front. So anyway, uh, I met Owen Hart. I got a picture with him. He's five foot. He was five foot ten inches tall. I got a picture shaking his hand three weeks before he got killed in the ring. Wow. Yeah, I got a picture with him. I put it on my MySpace page back about fifteen years ago. And uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. He was uh, good friends with a friend of mine who I grew up with, who was like three years older than me. He was my friend was six five three thirty. And Bam Bam was six three three sixty, and I got a picture of Bam Bam. I told him, I says, "You know Jimmy," and I, I'm not going to repeat his last say his last name. And he was at an autograph signing, Bam Bam Bigelow, promoting his match with um, uh, Lawrence Taylor. Oh, at WrestleMania ten. Yeah, and uh, I I told him my. My friend's name, and my friend told me he hangs out with Bam Bam Bigelow down the shore. So, anyway, uh, I told him my friend's name, Bam Bam, and he's, he perked up right away. And I met the Big Show and Hulk Hogan, and you know, they kind of exaggerate their height and weight. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, they used to claim Andre the Giant was uh, seven foot five when he was at best seven foot three. That's fair. Oh, Andre the Giant was six foot seven. That's what uh, he was. I, I, well, he did have different heights at different times. He was at least seven feet, though, Dave. He was. He was. You could see when he's nose to nose with Hogan that um, Hogan is six six, and Andre's got at least six or seven inches on Hogan. So I mean, Andre was at least seven feet. He was not seven foot five though. Eight hundred eight four eight WFC. Paul is in Manhattan. Hello, Paul. Hi, uh, hi, Frank. Hi. Uh, uh, regarding Dr. Turi's predictions mm-hmm. that you were just talking about with the other caller, mm-hmm. th- there was, I'm hesitant to call it a major cyber attack, but if you did want to have a cyber attack that would get people's attention, you would attack a large, um, either a gaming or an entertainment venue, and Hulu was down for about three hours, and from what I heard, it was a, a, a cyber attack. Oh, well, okay. All right. Well, Sunday. that, 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 we, but it didn't happen Sunday. It happened a few hours before. I mean, a few days before, didn't it? Um, that's what I'm not sure. If it was Saturday or Sunday, it may have been. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, no, it was. I don't think it was Sunday. But you know what? Look, again, I don't want to judge this now. I'm going to invite Dr. Turi back after May 15th. And if we're all still alive, I will ask, hey, what happened on April 24th? What happened on May 1st? And what happened on May 15th? You know, in terms of uh, your predictions. When you said that, it... it at first, they predicted they didn't say what what it was, but then I heard through the grapevine that they were they basically had a basic a big DNS attack. Interesting, took, took them down. Okay, well we'll see what happens. What it is. Well, well, thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. It's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Rich is in East Meadow. Hello, Rich. Good morning, Frank. How are you today? I'm doing just wonderfully. It's peachy. You sound good. Thank you. Listen. I, uh, I hate to hit the rewind button, but I couldn't call you earlier. Um, what were you doing? Why couldn't you call me earlier? Uh, I had to meet a truck and get my deliveries. 
All right. Well, then let us um, let us hit the rewind button. It is time for commendations. Or do you want to rewind back further? I'm sorry. Well, well, the uh, the uh, unsolicited attacks on your character. Ah, yes. Okay. Do you want to add to them? Uh, no, I'm pretty fond of you. I, I, oh. I like you. Well, um, thank you. And, There's no I, accounting I really for taste, it. I suppose. No, I'm questionable. I, but I do love the dynamic of it. I, I wouldn't change any of it. However, you are opportunistic. Have you considered getting a sponsor for these attacks? Like a defense attorney, a defense company? Um, well, hey, you know, it's an idea. It's an idea. I mean, I have no interest in attacking Curtis. And I don't think John and Margo like like the talk show hosts battling out with one another. So I have no problem, you know, not attacking Curtis. Um, I don't attack Curtis. I just wanted to call into his radio show and, and clarify the record. And he wouldn't even put me on, and which is annoying. I find it hysterical. Yeah, I, mean, I could get on. You, I, if, if, if my name wasn't Frank Moreno, I think I'd find it hysterical too. <laughs> I would. I would. I would actually like to see you prank him one day. But anyway, but I'm not talking about a counterattack. I'm talking about a sponsorship um, for defense. Like, no, I get uh, it. I, I think it's a great idea. I will suggest that to the salespeople. And um, Jennifer from Boston had a good idea for a uh, a T-shirt that we should sell in the WABC radio store uh, along those ideas. But I like it. I'll suggest it to the salespeople, Rich. Well, thank you. You're doing a great job. Hey, and I got to tell you, I'm a jinx. I was going to comment on the dynamic between Molly, Matt, and yourself. And how Angelica voices, and I, I was thinking about that last week, and uh, now she's gone, so I'm sorry to do that. Well, do you want to say anything about Matt and put his job in jeopardy as well? Um, well, Matt has a great voice as well. Mm-hmm. He, he, he sounds a little dark. Is he? It's scary, but uh, he, he's I, got an amazing voice. I think that's a fair description. Villain. I think that's a fair description. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Rich. Um, so there you have it, Matt. Pack up your bags. He might have jinxed you there, too. Hey, by the way, how come you didn't want to come to the ping pong uh, tournament on Saturday? Because I definitely would have lost. Yeah, well, so what? It's just fun. I don't know ping pong. I don't know the last time I played ping pong. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, Molly was saying to me on Friday that she thinks you need to get out more. And I agree. I feel like you're a little bit of a hermit. Oh, I'm totally a hermit. Yeah. No, I think you got I love the, pa- I love the pandemic. <laughs> I, I love you staying did. home. I bet you did. I'd have to. I'd have to leave. I'd have to leave my house. I bet you did. All right, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Kevin is in East. Is it East Quag, Kevin? East Quag. That's correct. Long yes. Island. Okay. Yeah. I. I, I have a a, fr- a very close friend that lives in East Quag. Beautiful community. I commute every day to Manhattan. Wow. Okay. That's a hike. All right, so I'm calling you about your ticket. I gave you a suggestion about fight it on win it. Yes, I um, I did download the app. They did try to fight it. I did not win, so now I have to pay that ticket. And uh, but I'm using it. And I haven't paid it yet because I get paid Friday. I'm waiting to get paid. I am going to try and use it to fight two other tickets that I did get um, on another time. Okay, it, it, it does work. I'm surprised that you didn't you didn't at least get half half of it off. Yeah, so so am I. I was disappointed, needless to say. Right, no problem, and I apologize. I don't know what podcast is, and uh, I'm old school. Oh, that's okay. I sent you a text, but that's all good. Well, I, I wish you a lot of luck, and hopefully you beat the other two tickets. 
Thank you, Kevin. Fingers crossed. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers. Yeah, likewise. If anybody wants to ever send me an SMS text message, that's uh, 816-8-MORANO. That's 816-8-M-O-R-A-N-O. We'll continue with your phone calls in just a minute. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. We three, we're all alone, living in a memory, my echo, my shadow, and me. We three, we're not a crowd, we're not even company, my echo, my shadow, and me. What good is the moonlight? The, the Ink Spots. The this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Uh, 800-848-WABC. Uh, we will always post the music at the end of the show. At the end of the show, in our Facebook group, just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. And um, if you go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Fan, you could see the side-by-side comparison of the Million Dollar Baby and the Million Dollar Man, both dressed similarly. And you can tell us who you think wore it better. Uh, Facebook.com slash fan. So far, it seems like Carmine has an edge. So, we'll see. Hey, uh, so yesterday, we went to my dad's uh, for Sunday dinner. Carmine, my wife, me. Sister was over. My brother and his fiancée were over. And, you know, we had dinners. Fine. Before that, we were home, ran a couple errands, went to church. We were out basically from, so we left at a quarter to ten to go to church, ran a couple errands, came back. I worked from, you know, on the show, from maybe until about, Noon to 2.45. That's the timeline here. We left the house around 2.45 to go to my dad's. I come. We come home at uh, 7 o'clock, 7.30 maybe. And obviously tomorrow is trash day. So I had to take the garbage out. I had to do the recycling, so on and so forth. Lo and behold, I open the garage door. It's one of those things where I have a keypad where you punch in a code and the garage door opens from the outside. Garage door opens. I start to go towards the garbage. The next thing you know, I see our cat, Bathsheba, darts out of the garage door, out of the garage towards outside of the garage door towards freedom. Now, I was right there, so I was able to follow her and after a couple of minutes pick her up and bring her back inside. But 
she had been in that garage for hours. Now, it was not me. I'm very happy to say. Uh, I guarantee with my wife that opened the garage door. Otherwise, I would have been in a heap of trouble. But she was in that garage for hours. So I don't know if she was stuck from two-ish until 7.30, which would have been five hours, or if it was earlier in the day when we left for church around 5 o'clock. You know what she probably did, because cats love boxes? There's all sorts of There were all sorts of cardboard boxes in there that she probably, the door probably opened, the inner door, and she saw a box. She said, oh, let me walk over there. I'll sit in that cardboard box. And then my, she probably goes into a cardboard box. My wife didn't see her. Close the door. And she was stuck in there for at least four and a half hours, maybe as many as nine hours. So my wife felt bad, and she was all filthy. She was all dirty. I felt bad, too, because Bathsheba is the nicest of the cats. So you hate to see that. But uh, she was okay. She didn't seem any worse for wear, just a little dirty. But uh, I don't know. It's always something with Bathsheba. She has a wanderlust. She has a wanderlust. She seems to want to go out. 800-848-WABC. Eric is in Stamford. Hello, Eric. Hey, how's it going? You tell me, Eric. You tell me. Your son looks great in that that uh, million dollar man. Oh, thank you. He, That's nice he of wins. you. Oh, well, thank you, Eric. <laughs> Appreciate that. Why did mom? I, I, you know, you'd have to ask her. I'll uh, I'll get a contact for her. I'll, uh, I'll I'll be I'll share it with you. I think she wanted to explore some other career opportunities. All right. Now, as far as wrestling. I have one of those 11-inch um, figures from Rowdy Roddy Piper that mm-hmm. I got personally from him at TNT in Virginia. Did he give it to you or you stole it? He threw it to a handicapped kid in a wheelchair. And you stole and it from I the handicapped it. kid? I grabbed it over the handicapped kid. Well, yes. I mean, Eric, you couldn't have let the handicapped kid in the wheelchair have the, the toy? No, no, catch is catch. I know, but I mean, clearly he intended the toy for the kid in the wheelchair. Of course he did, but listen, I wanted it. I have it. Two thousand bucks. Wow! Wow! It's two thousand dollars. No, I want two thousand bucks for it. All right. Well, I mean, it's a little outside of my price range. I mean, maybe we can track down the kid in the wheelchair and see if he's got any money. No, Jesse Ventura was there. The, remember the redhead that was in the uh, video with uh, Cindy Lauper? Yes. I got my picture with her. I, I went down there. These black guys hit my car at McDonald's. I got a brand-new Toyota. And they they backed into my car, and my friend got the license plate, and they all got arrested. All right. Well, I'm glad that justice was done, Eric. Outrageous. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. That you took that toy from a handicapped person? Can you believe what that guy said? And um, <laughs> I'm sorry that we're reinforcing whatever negative stereotypes people may have about uh, about black folks. That was an interesting call. 
That's one way of putting it. All right. 800-848-WABC. If you think you can do better, 1-800-848-9222. Open phone lines at the moment. Hey, uh, coming up at 5, you're going to get to hear the uh, WABC early news with Deborah Valentine. And then from 6 until 10, both Bernie and Sid are off today. So John Katsimatidis is going to be in, along with none other than Curtis Sliwa. So that should be uh, quite a show to hear John and uh, and Curtis go uh, at it. And then, I guess because Curtis is filling in on the morning show, he's not doing that noon show this week. The noon slot, the old Charlie Kirk slot, today filling in is going to be James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. So for those of you that want to listen to that, that's happening today. So there you have it. All right. Hey, I got one email here from a listener named uh, John who with the subject plane crash. And I had seen this article. I don't think this is a plane crash. He sends me an article from USA Today yesterday. Headline, first plane swap stunt unsuccessful as plane spirals out of control in Arizona. No injuries reported. And then it says aviation history will have to wait, but disaster was avoided. That's the first sentence. Disaster was avoided. Now, I don't know. That doesn't sound like a plane crash. But we'll invite Dr. Turi on May 15th. And assuming we're all still here, we will get his take on all these predictions. If you ever want to email me yourself, by the way, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's uh, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Uh, a fellow just emailed me as as a suggestion when you call Curtis. See, foolishly, I use my own name. But he says, when you call Curtis, perhaps you should say you're Steve from Manhattan. He got through with two successive calls in a row over the weekend. So that's an idea. And I'll say, uh, go Buchanan, go, go Buchanan, go. I do like that Buchanan. So I will, uh, I'll give that a shot. I mean, you know, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just not going to turn the radio on. And that's why Curtis's strategy is so self-defeating because he's now annoyed me so much that I'm just not going to turn the radio on when he's on, on for that overnight show. So I won't hear what he's saying, but, uh, but that's that. Now, um, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can do so at Frank Morano. That's Frank M O R A N O. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this Elon Musk. Twitter bit. Hey, you know what other thing is interesting right now is the fall from grace of both the Netflix stock and the Disney stock. Now, the Disney stock is due to the um, Ron DeSantis situation, and it has fallen like a rock. I mean, six months ago, it was trading at $176 a share. As of now, it's trading at $118 a share. So, I mean, it's not all due to the DeSantis thing, but there's some other, you know, some other issues as well. Netflix, same situation. Um, six months ago, it was trading at $700 a share, just about. A little less than $700 a share. As of now, it's trading at $215 a share. I mean, 
that has fallen like a rock. So um, at my dad's yesterday, we were sitting around talking about this. And my sister Claudia was saying she thinks this is a, a buying opportunity for both Disney and Netflix. She's betting that both of them are going to come back. So she said she was going to buy some stock in both Netflix and Disney. So I do wonder if you think we're going to do a whole Disney discussion tomorrow because there's been a lot that's been happening. If you think that the Disney stock is still overvalued or does it have more to fall? Is now a buying opportunity? Same with Netflix. You can weigh in on that if you want. And I came across, you know, when I was coming up in public access television, there was a show that was on the public access channel that I was on. And it was a good show. It had been around a while. It may still be on, so no disrespect to the people that do this show if if it is still on and I haven't seen it. It was called There Ought to Be a Law. That was the name of the show. And I guess the premise of the show was there were lawyers and other things, and people called in and said, oh, there ought to be a law about this, there ought to be a law about that. Well, I read, I spent a lot of time reading over the weekend, mostly while I was on hold waiting to talk with Curtis, about all sorts of creative inventions. And so what I'd like to do next is say what inventions somebody should come out with. So I'm offering you no patent protection, but if you have a cool idea for something that somebody should invent, call me now and tell me. 800-848-9222. Until then, your influence counts, so use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. tired yet. I hope you're not because I need some brain power. Um, I am hoping, you know, it's funny. I read the most wonderful article this weekend about um, a fella. I, I, I want to save the story because I'm trying to get him on this show and I want to really tell the story when he comes on the show. But it's about this fella who came up with this incredibly creative way to you re. You know when you go to a hotel and you use the soap to wash your hands or a shower? Well, you don't use a whole bar of soap. You just use, use a little bit of soap. What do they do with all that leftover soap? Well, what a lot of them do is different from what they did just a few years ago. And this guy came up with an incredibly creative way 
to use all that leftover soap. I'm not going to tell you anything more about it now because I'm going to try and get him on this show. And when he's on, well, I want to tell you his whole story because I was fascinated by it. This is one of many one of the many articles that I read while I was on hold with Curtis for two and a half hours when he refused to take my call. So it got me thinking. There are all sorts of ideas people have, right, for inventions. And they're usually based on a need. Like, um, you know how when you order a pizza pie, pizza pie comes in a box. In a lot of pizza pie boxes, there's a little plastic table. That keeps the roof of that keeps the cheese on the pizza pie from hitting and sticking to the roof of the pizza box. Now, who thought of that? And what led them to think of it? That wasn't around 100 years ago, I guarantee it. There are all sorts of ideas that people have based on a need. Somebody should invent something that blank. So I thought it might be fun to – there's a lot of creative people listening right now. A lot of people up because they can't sleep. A lot of people up because they're coming home from a night out or going to work. A lot of people up because they are working right now, maybe at a job they're not crazy about or with hours that they're not crazy about. I thought it would be so much fun to invite you to share an idea for a fun invention and – Hopefully, somebody listening to this will be inspired to develop it. Now, I want to offer every disclaimer in the world that if you put an idea out on the radio, it's up for grabs. I mean, anybody can then develop it, can take it, and run with it. But if you're less interested in developing the idea and more interested in seeing the idea being developed, then maybe that's okay. 800-848-9222 if you have an idea for an invention. I'll give you a couple, and then maybe we'll expand the parameters of this. Um, One is one that I've had for years. I cannot understand how they have not yet invented and mass-marketed mobile phones that do not need to be charged. I got to tell you, I find it to be the most irritating thing in the world to, when, when you're on your phone, you have to go hunt, hunt around for a phone charger. There's got to be another solution, maybe a way that you can charge your mobile phone just by stepping outside, solar powered. I think there's got to be another way. So that's my suggestion, a mobile phone, smartphone that does not need to be charged. I don't understand how in the year 2022, they don't have that. 800-848-WABC. And uh, my friend Vinny years ago, and I think they may have invented this, but this was, he told me about this in 2006 or 2007. He had an idea for like something that you would keep on your desk and you'd rest your phone on it and it would charge. Like, um, not like a wireless charger, but... Basically, a a desk that would charge your phone. And I think they have something like that now. It's not exactly what he envisioned, but it was close. So I want to hear your ideas for inventions. 800-848-WABC. What should someone invent?
question. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. What do you think? Let me begin with David in Linden. Hello. 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 Can you hear me? Yes. Hello. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. I saw a maneuver driver on the turnpike, but my wife and I go shopping. We go shopping together in the supermarket, and to speed things up, I'll go out, get some products, come back to the cart. I'm coming back looking for her. Now, if I'm walking in the back of the store, I'm looking down each aisle to where she is. If she turns the corner at the far end, I've missed her in both aisles, and I've walked back and forth more times than I can count. Okay. So we need a device. That when you're in the supermarket, you can find out where a person is. You know, you know your wife or whoever you want to hang out with. Well, um, I like that idea, and that's a very that's a great solution to a, a problem that I think a lot of people can relate to. But here's what I wonder: I know a lot of couples. Now, I would never do this, although it would have saved me a lot of aggravation Friday night. I know a lot of couples that they have phone tracking on one another's phones, where you can tell where they are based on the location of their phone. If you and your wife had that, wouldn't that save you, the walking around searching for her? Yes, and after I called, I realized that we actually both have that feature. We both have Apple phones. So I may have just (laughs) solved my own problem. Well, sometimes it helps to talk through this. Yeah, so um, maybe we'll activate that and we'll try it. Now, obviously, we need Wi-Fi. We need to lock into the store's Wi-Fi. I believe you need Wi-Fi for that to work. I would, I, you know, I'm not an expert on Apple, but I think so. And uh, I, like I said, I was an Uber driver, and uh, I picked up two girls at a hospital, and one of them's phone rang. It was their mom saying, what are you doing at the hospital? The mom was tracking her daughter's phone. So I guess they have that feature, but Wi-Fi has to kick in. I see. Well, that makes sense, David. Thank you, David. You know, speaking of Apple, um, so I saw John Katzmatidis Friday when he was in on the uh, Bernie and Sid show and he's showing me, it, it really frustrates him that I don't have an iPhone. I'm the last guy that doesn't have an iPhone, I think. And now keep in mind, John is not only running several multi-billion dollar businesses, including this radio station, but he's hosting a radio show in real time. But during the you know two minute commercial break that he had, he's basically trying to help me, By saying, you know, look at all these group texts that I want to add you to about breaking news that I can't because you don't have an iPhone. He says, get an iPhone and we'll pay the difference. And um, which is very generous. But I'm not sure I really want to learn how to use an iPhone. All of my my wife has an iPhone. All my friends that have an iPhone, when they hand me their phone to make a call or to to, to take a picture or something, I I feel like uh, I can't even read. I'm such a mess. Can't figure it out. By the way, on the subject of inventions, and speaking of John Katsimatidis, who's obviously a pretty industrious guy, he came up with an idea a long time ago, which I am surprised never really took off. What about the idea of thumbprint voting? Isn't that interesting? You hear a lot about Electronic voting, voting by mail, blockchain voting. Blockchain voting raises a lot of questions about hacking. Thumbprint voting. Your thumbprint is 
you you register it when you fill out your voter registration form, and then that thumbprint has to match when you go to the polls. Isn't that interesting? I think it's a great idea. I wish someone would do that. 800-848-9222. Let me hear your ideas for inventions. Charlie in Hell's Kitchen, hello. Yes, Frank. Thank you for taking my call. I think I have a good idea for a good invention. But first, a variation on what you just said. Thumbprint voting would be good, but the the people who complain about mail-in ballots would (coughs) complain about that, too. But a variation. Why, though? Why why would they complain about thumbprint voting? Well, because if the person puts their thumbprint on the ballot and then they mail it in, well, I guess you could just attach it you could compare it to the thumbprint on record correct when the right person right exactly exactly you show up in person um and you 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 put your thumb up to an optical scanner and and then uh if you show up in person it says okay yes that's charlie from hell's kitchen go ahead and vote if you do if you're gonna vote by mail or by absentee you use the the thumbprint you know um feature that they have on the envelope and you do it that way, just like a signature. Everybody's got a thumbprint. So there's no question about, you know, oh, some people don't have IDs. I mean, unless you're, you know, unless you have no arms, in which case we can make a special accommodation. Um, unless you have no arms, everyone's got a thumbprint. Right. No, that's exactly right. And each individual's thumbprint is unique to them. So I think that would work. I think that's a good idea. Anyway, my invention is, and I don't care if anybody steals it, I think this would be a great idea. You know you know how they have those thumbs up and thumbs down emojis on computers? So if you like something, when you give a review, yes. you give a thumbs yes. up. Yes, I do. And if you don't like it, you give a thumbs down. So you know what to do. What I would do to deal with all this um, just bias in the media, which, you know, I've talked about that before. Sure. I'm a Trump supporter, and I, and I think it cost them the election. But we've talked about that before, a different subject. But what I would do on every show at the bottom right-hand corner of the TV set, if you have a, a particularly annoying uh, uh, talk, uh, talk shows or news shows, so let's say Chuck Todd of, uh, of Meet the Press. Right, like a Chris Cuomo a type or something. Chris Cuomo type, that's an even better example. So you allow every viewer – assuming they have a cell phone, or even you can build a device that attaches into your TV, too. You allow every person who's watching the show, and they can only do it once. You arrange it so that it can't be done, like, for multiple times. It can only be done once. But you let the person vote up or down right there in the moment. And this is even better than the Nielsen range, because the Nielsen range, as you well know, only have like a represent a certain amount of people. You have to have the Nielsen box and it represents a certain amount of people. But this would be able to activate the opinion of everybody watching the television show at the time who wants to participate in, you know, just the thumbs up or thumbs down. So that if I was watching Meet the Press, for example, which I don't anymore because I've, I've been watching it since Tim Russert was doing it because I can't stand Chuck Todd. But what I would do is I would give him the thumbs down because I don't like his obvious liberal bias, which he denies. But this would be a great way. You, you know, I got to tell you, Charlie, I think it's a great idea. And that's something where the technology is here for that now. I mean, there's no reason they can't do that on every smart TV 
right now. I think that's a great idea, Charlie. And I hope uh, a lot of the television executives, you know, we actually do have quite a few television executives that listen to us on this hour because they work on shows like the Today Show and Good Day New York and Good Morning America. And they commute to work in Manhattan early and they listen to me in this hour, especially. I hope they steal your idea. That is brilliant. Uh, and you could you suggested to John Katzmatidis too when you work on his time time see what he thinks it would be with his money if he could implement it. I think it would be a good strategy. What do you what do you think? I think it's a phenomenal idea, Charlie. 800-848-WABC. Let me hear what your idea is for something that somebody should invent. Doesn't matter the field. Uh doesn't matter if it's a new type of uh, can opener or an everlasting gobstopper, whatever. Tell me. 800 Tommy is in Brooklyn. Hello, Tommy. Hey, Frank. Uh, you know, I was thinking the guy said something about uh, the, the the supermarket. Uh, maybe put a tablet on the shopping cart, not a fancy one, just like a, an easy one, to let you know where you're, uh, what aisle you need to be in for your product. You know, even a quick uh, list, you know, make a list up uh, entry and... Uh, you can get your products in order, so you can go to the, the uh, supermarket fest. You know that's a great idea. I'm surprised they don't have that already. I, I, I don't. I, I don't know. I just thought of it. I, I, maybe they do. I know. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't. They don't have it in the carts. Not the way you're describing. They do have it so that you can go to the front and look up your item, and it'll tell you. But you're saying put it down on a cart to cart level. Obviously, there's some expense there, but I think that's a good idea. Uh, I think it's a very good idea, actually. What is something that someone should invent? 800-848-9222. Anthony's in Edison. Hello. Yes, good morning, Frank. I'm the uh, crazy taxi driver in New Jersey, the big Trump supporter that's always calling me. Uh, Anthony, I know exactly exactly who you are, man. I got your number. (laughs) Well, I've been saying this for years, and and I've actually gone to one of these 1-800-invent places, and they bring you to some fancy schmancy uh, office, and they give you all this mumbo jumbo about how you're still going to have to add money in to get the lawyers to okay it. They got to do patent searches. They they really make it a lot harder than it is, and they they really don't help you as much as they advertise that they do. But for years, I've been saying that as far as young kids, especially with the summertime coming and all, that uh, there should be a, a for children or people that are not really great swimmers like me. There should be a suit, a, a bathing suit that has a, a built-in like emergency, like CO2 fired, uh, like flotation device. Like you have your airbag in your car. Like you're a parent, you're sitting on the beach, and your and your kids out there, and it gets to a certain depth. Maybe the thing would fire and just float them right to the top real quick. You know, it would save you from being you know the kid being dragged out in the undercurrent. Nobody going to do then. You know, uh, Anthony, uh, that is. Brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. And my, and my number two thing is, why do we have swimsuits that are the color of seals that sharks want to attack? Why shouldn't they be the natural color of the water, like light blue or light green, so the shark doesn't know the difference between you and the seal? Well, I can't comment on that uh, because, one, uh, presumably not every swimsuit is going to be used in areas where there are sharks. So if you're right, swimming right. in your backyard pool, why shouldn't you have whatever color swimsuit you want? But uh, right. le- let's stick with your so first a di- idea. A diver suit. A diver suit. A diver yeah. suit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a diver suit. Okay, I got you. All right. right. It's not bad. I, you know, I don't know how sharks view color. I don't, I don't know anything about sharks. I have to be honest. I don't. And 800-848-922. I do occasionally like to watch Shark Week when it's on, but... Uh, I don't know much about sharks. What is your idea for an invention that somebody should invent? 
848-9222. You know, I came across this. See, I was trying to get people to um, um, share my link for The Hustle. I read this email newsletter, The Hustle, and there's just great stuff in there. I almost don't want too many people to subscribe to it because I love – it's a lot of unique content. And I shared the code if you want to download it. And you'll subscribe to the email, and then you get prizes. Now, one of the things that they sent me was 100-plus business ideas from a podcast called My First Million. And apparently I was not familiar with this podcast, but this podcast is all about interviewing people about how they made money and that it asks them their idea for million-dollar businesses that are not there, that, that are not out there yet. And sure enough, I read through these ideas, and there is – some great stuff. I mean, some very clever ideas. So if you want to branch it out to other million-dollar business ideas, we could do that too. But I kind of prefer to keep it to just inventions. 800-848-9222. Howard's in Elmhurst. Hello, Howard. Okay, I would like an individual bomb detector. I've been in places where it's dangerous and, uh, you know, you could get blown away. Um, also, I, I just want to let you know that I have a flip phone, so you're not you're not standing alone. Okay, have- that is good to good to know. Uh, that's a good idea: an individual bomb detector, and then a flip phone. No, I have a flip phone, but I, I I'm saying I have a flip phone. Right, I'm saying yeah, you're not joining the the um, the the chorus of Apple people of iPhone people. Yeah, exactly. Yes, my aunt Camille still has a flip phone. Why do you still have one? I like it because it folds, it's small, it's simple. I don't like complications that I have to figure out. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Thank you, Howard. 800-848-WABC. Your ideas for an invention, or 1-800-848-9222. And uh, just a reminder, the new station policy here is, and I had nothing to do with this, but the new station policy is they don't take anonymous calls anymore. So if your phone is blocked from caller ID from whatever reason, for whatever reason, I think you have to press star 82 prior to down to dialing 1-800-848-9222. Uh, but if you want to get your idea in via email, you can also email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. We got some good ones so far. Individual bomb detector, swimsuit that immediately can become a flotation device. It's almost like something out of Batman or James Bond. That's pretty neat. Um, we have the the grocery store cart iPad that tells you what aisle the food products are in. We have, uh, and then one product was already invented, which tells people what, where their partner is. Davis is in Red Bank. Hello, Davis. Hey, it's actually David. Ah, uh, not according to Avery. Yeah, well, you know, Avery. Avery's what, what a few aces short of a full deck, I suppose, David. He's, he's a Curtis Sliwa plant. Yes, Anyhow, exactly. Um, Sabotage. So- Frank, this this idea could revolutionize your life. Um, what I want is I want my front door to unlock the same way my car door does. When you approach the car door, it opens. You mean? I want I want a key fob for my front door. I am shocked that they don't already have that. Exactly. That's the, we could I, make millions on this. Well, I, I I'm a little I'm a little tied up you know, with other things. But um, if I get fired from that, the, well, I, I figured, you know, somebody who actually knows something about technology, probably not yeah, somebody that can't right. figure out an iPhone 
is probably your right. best bet on that. That's a great idea, hey, though, I'm, David. Frank, I'm with you on the iPhone. They hand me those things, and I'm like, wait, what's this? I, I feel like it's I a different language. And then my, my wife will hand me the phone. She'll say, take a picture. I said, well, where, where's the camera? I, and she said, how do you not know how to do this? I, I'll say, you know, can I borrow your phone? Mine is dead. I have to call so-and-so. How do I dial? You know, it's just I, it, she talks to me yeah, yeah. when I'm trying to use her iPhone the way I talk to my five-month-old son. It's really yeah, it's really yeah. sad, and, actually. And invariably, I have to bring the people back over to me and have them explain it to right. me like it's a third-grade math problem. Right. You know? Right, exactly. <laughs> Thank ridiculous. you. Thanks, David. Great idea. Uh, also, coming up on the Bernie and Sid show today, as I mentioned, it's going to be John Getzabatidis and um, Curtis, 740, is going to be Rich Lowry from National Review. Robert is in New Jersey. Hello, Robert. Hello, Mr. Morano. I love your show. I think you're the best radio talk show host that there is. Oh, wow. Thank you. Oh, I don't even need to hear your, your idea for an invention. I'm already convinced that you're brilliant. I've noticed that on the weekends, half of Curtis's callers fall asleep before you can get to them. Is it because uh, they don't find him interesting? I don't find that any of your listeners are falling asleep. They're all awake and interested and smart. Well, thank you, uh, Robert. That, that's very kind. Yeah, that was it, when I when I was trying to get on to uh, oh, Robert hung up the invention. All right, 800-848-WABC. But to his point, when I was, I was going to make that same remark when I was trying to get on with Curtis on uh, on Sunday. I don't know. If, did we cut off Robert inadvertently? Cause, or did it, what happened? We lost Robert in his invention? All right. Sean is in Park Ridge. Hello, Sean. Uh, yeah, I got two quick things. One, before my invention, is I want to mention to you, you know, the Domino's Pizza. I'm pretty sure that those, there are two brothers that started Domino's, that they're the ones that started delivering pizza to people's homes. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I got to give them, I, I don't think highly of Domino's, but um, their product, but that's certainly an ingenious innovation if they were the first ones to think of that. Yeah, I think they did that, and I thought that was incredible, um, especially now we think about, you know, the pandemic and all that stuff. Uh, the thing that I was thinking about is, you know how the car alarms go off when, you know, somebody's uh, car is going to be robbed or what have you? Yes. And they usually just make a loud noise that's kind of obnoxious. Well, right. I think all of us have become kind of immune to it. Right. You don't even, even react. You don't even react. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of having it be a noise, why not somehow have a program where you, the customer, has a choice to put in three different audible things like, hey, my car is being stolen, you know, whatever. And also you can do the same thing with your car horn. Um, instead of it just going beep, beep, you can say, you know, hey, the light's green or, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, I like this idea. I feel like we need to flesh it out a little bit because – if your car is being stolen, sometimes you may not know your car is stolen. Like if you're – I've seen car alarms go off occasionally when a car is being towed. Now, if your car is being towed because you've parked it illegally, chances are you don't know it's being towed. So you might fire off the noise that says, you know, intruder alert, intruder alert, my car is being stolen, when in actuality you want to fire off the noise for – um, you know, for my cars being towed. I like the idea. I like the concept of a better car alarm. 
Yeah, and, you know, I think it could branch out to other things. Like, I think about women, especially when they're jogging and some creep comes out and they try to rape them or whatever, um, they can have a thing where, you know, it shouts out, you know, help, I need help, or what have you. Yeah, uh, Sean, I, I like it. I, I think there would be a big market for that, actually. Thank you. 800-848-9222. You know, it's funny. You know what they say? I don't know if this is still true, but what I used to hear years ago, from so-called experts, is that if you're a woman and you're being raped and or assaulted or robbed, that you should not shout out rape to get help. Do you know what they tell you to shout out? Maybe you know this. Maybe you heard this. They tell you to shout out fire because people are more likely to come if they think they're aiding you in a fire situation then if they think there's this lunatic, violent rapist that they're going to have to then contend with. Now, once they're there, once they're lured under the auspices of putting out a fire, then they could take their fire extinguisher and spray it at the rapist, I guess. But I don't know if that's still true. I heard that years ago. Robert is in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Hello, Robert. Hello, Mr. Morano. I spoke with you a few minutes ago. I'm yeah. sorry. I get the, the line dropped. Oh, good. Welcome I, back. Yeah, good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I love your show. I think you're so interesting. My, uh, my idea thank is, um, this has already been invented, but I just think it needs to be modified. On September 11th, 2001, I believe strongly that if there was a law that said any office building or even any residential building that's 20 stories or higher where a fire truck ladder cannot get to, every person in that building must have their own personal parachute that they can break a window and jump out of the building and land safely. Yeah, you, you know, I, I, I like this idea. My friend Craig Simonetti brought this up 21 years ago, right after September 11th, and I thought it was a good idea then, but I approached a friend of mine who was a Marine, an emergency management expert, and he had some reasoning as to why it wasn't a good idea. But I still like the idea. I think it is a good one, actually, Robert. Thank you. Al's in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, hello, Al. Hi, uh, Frank. I just wanted to say something about the car alarms. The other day, I was listening to uh, CJAD in Montreal, and the guy was talking about his Tesla. It has five cameras on it and there was some guy that walked up to the tesla and touched the hood the lights came on and the cameras record that guy so the owner of the car when he got into the car he could see where there had been somebody that touched the car and it showed a picture of the person oh well i mean that's that's very interesting yeah that is anyway. interesting. So did you have a separate idea, though, Al? No, I'm sorry, Frank. Okay, that's I'm a, okay. I'm a, I'm a 67-year-old double amputee blind guy. I'm out of it. I, no, hey, no, you're not out of it. You're, you're with it. You're listening. I appreciate it. Yeah, it sounds like you got a great attitude. Your show's great. Thank Your you. show's great. Thank man. you. I'm sorry that the um, thumbprint voting idea wouldn't help you vote that much, though. Mike is in New Jersey. Hello, Mike. Good morning, Frank. Frank, um... Going back to the supermarket, uh, a built-in barcode scanner on the handles of the supermarket carts. Um, oftentimes, there's no pricing on items, and this way you could check to see if the prices are, you know, have gone up. 
Well, uh, so but I, I'm missing I'm missing it here. So tell me how well, it was when you take when you take an item off the shelf and there's no price there and you want to check it, you just scan it on the bar on the handle on the I see. Cart. Okay, well that would be pretty helpful to people. That's for sure. Yeah, I like it, uh, you know, and and I, I guess I'm just wondering if that would be too expensive to implement. Well, at this point, it probably would be, um, but you know, down the road, I'm sure they can, you know, figure something out. It could charge maybe with a solar uh, built-in solar battery, since the shopping carts are oftentimes left outside. It'd have to be somewhat weatherproof. Too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I like I like the out of the box thinking. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Joe is in Riverhead. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. Good morning. Great show again. Um, this one goes along with the gentleman who mentioned something about thumbprint voting. You know, at the moment that you take your first breath, you already have a Social Security number. But look at what a pain in the neck it is for the rest of your life to deal with the health insurance debacle. Oh, well, you, about, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I feel like I, I had the same conversation with my father yesterday, oh, who was a 30 mm-hmm. year health insurance executive, maybe more. And and he well, let me hear your idea and then I'll, I'll give you one of his frustrations. Well, well, quite, quite simply, the Social Security card has two sides. First of all, I don't like signing it. Because that means my signature goes with my wallet if I lose it, and then they have everything. So how about one side is your social, and the other side is your health plan, period. I, I, I think know, that's, that's pretty good. That would cause. I, I think that's pretty good. You know, it's funny. My, mm-hmm. my stepmother, I, I mentioned this the other day, but my stepmother had was hit by a car uh, about two years ago oh, and, and uh and, and I, I, at a very very high speed and they had <laughs> surgery and they put a bunch of screws in her leg a bunch of titanium okay. screws in her leg and you know she's been walking around fine for the last two years or so but this past week was her surgery to get her screws removed so the surgeon comes in and he looks at um you know, the x-ray and everything. And he says, there are no screws in your leg. So my father says to, you know, his wife's surgeon, he says, oh well, there were, there were, according to the x-ray that you took in your office five days ago. And, you know, I didn't take the screws out. The screws are still there. So he says, well, why don't we do another x-ray? So they do another x-ray. And, of course, there are still screws there. The x-ray that they were looking at, was um, from uh, the, uh, the x-ray of her leg before they put the screws in. Now, um, w- w- what my dad was saying is he thinks there should be essentially a national health care database where your medical records follow you from doctor's office to doctor's office so that every medical procedure that you've had, everything, every x-ray, it's in this file that, you know, when you go to the doctor, they have access to all your previous medical history. I think they kind of do have something like that. But again, it's a lot of red tape from doctor to doctor. Well, that, That's right. Well, this that. would be a, like a uniform Automatic. national okay. um, health care regist- uh, database that everyone would have to kind of buy into in terms of health care providers. He also okay. gave the example. Uh, do you work in health care, Joe? No, I don't. No, okay. See, but I'm guessing you've you've had similar frustrations with healthcare uh, services. Yeah, I, I'm I'm like an evil Knievel kind of guy. I hurt myself a lot. Throughout my life. <laughs> okay. Hey, well, evil Knievel was as cool as they come. He also gave the example of he went to um, a doctor 
to see about, you know, his voice started to sound a little gravelly. So he got examined, he got scoped, and then they send him to a specialist in the neighboring office. It's like one of those buildings that has multiple doctors working there. They sent him to a specialist and they said, all right, well, we, we have to scope you. You know, you scope your throat and see what the deal is. He said, I was just scoped two days ago, you know, literally 40 feet away from where I'm sitting right now. Don't you have that mm-hmm. record? No, those guys aren't in today. We don't have that record. So he, they had to scope him again. Wow. Now think of all the extra added expense that's done because of all this duplicative healthcare uh, stuff. But uh, w- yeah. w- you know, I like your idea a lot, Joe. Actually, thank you. Hey, we're going to do the thousand dollar minute, but let me squeeze in at least one more call here. Rogers in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Roger. Boogie Down Bronx. What's up, yeah. man? Uh, Frankie, uh, I got three uh, short comments and a question. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know if you remember me, but I, uh, how's your? I gave you the uh, info on uh, when you had a toothache with your dick and all. Yes, of course I remember you, uh, Roger. Absolutely. Did you ever take my? Did you ever take my uh, suggestion? I, I don't think I did. I think it might have just went our way on its own. Okay, okay. That's. I, I just wanted to, to just to. Let you know who's talking here. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I've missed you. Uh, miss you, too. I, I, I have been away because uh, my wife passed away. On oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, it, it, along along those lines, uh, uh, I, uh, oh, what was it? My, oh, along those lines, I, uh, uh, I've been, uh, you know, doing a lot of, uh, you know, research work, because that's what I uh, I do. I, I have my background is in medical research, uh, music therapy, and uh, so mental health support group therapy uh, specialist. All right. So do so you have an idea to... for an invention, Roger? Oh, is that what you're talking about, invention? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm like uh, an invention. Uh, yeah, I, I, I heard when you were talking about the fire, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the fire prevention. Uh, so yeah, there's a fire, you can get out the building. Um I was in the military. I got. I don't know why they don't, uh, more people don't have like uh, rope ladders. You know, come rope ladders. Out of your window. Okay. All right, Roger. Hey, Roger. Thanks for calling, and um, and I'm sorry again about your wife's passing. All right, Roger. All right. Hey, um, we're gonna do the thousand dollar minute in just a minute. The seventh caller to one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's 1-800-848-WABC. We'll get an opportunity to answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds. And if you can do it, we will give you $1,000. No tricks, no loopholes. Simple as that. Be the seventh caller now to 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.
grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. My grandma told your grandma, I'm gonna set your flag on fire. You're talking about henna, henna, henna. Aiko, aiko, ande. Jagamo, fino, anale. Jagamo, fina, ande. Look at my king, all dressed in red. Aiko, aiko, ande. I bet you five dollars he'll kill you dead. Jagamo, fina, ande. Talking about henna, henna. The Dixie Cat. I love this song. You know, I think this song is in the movie Rain Man, which is a great movie. That place says yes. And um, I've been a fan of it ever since I saw it in that film. And then I think if you watch um, The Hangover, which has some kind of tributes to Rain Man, including, you know, one scene that they acknowledge is basically... Not a ripoff. It's more of a tribute. Um, at the blackjack scene, they have a different version of that song. And th- you know, if, I don't. I'm not a big slot player, but if you ever play this, the Hangover slot machine, it is a remarkably fun slot machine. And one of the bonus rounds that play is uh, that plays is this music, and then all sorts of stuff happens. You win all sorts of money. Uh, hopefully. But all right, uh, it's time now. By the way, hey, I got you can message me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Morano fan. I just got this message uh, from Joe and Ronkonkoma who says, bring back Molly, LOL. I got hung up on and then no one answers. Yeah, I saw Joe and Ronkonkoma on hold. I was looking forward to hearing his invention idea because he is a smart guy. And then I saw he was he was gone. So we'll see. We'll see. We may have to make Molly an offer she can't refuse to come back. All right. In the meantime, uh, we will give you an opportunity to win some money. It's time for The Other Side of Midnight presents It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Murano. Ah, thank you, Chris Libertini. Let's meet today's contestant, Ray in Rarrington. Hello, Ray. Hey, how you doing, Frank? I'm well, Ray. Are you raring to go in Rarrington? Uh, I'm ready. I've been waiting. Wonderful. I'm ready. Good. All right. Uh, so you're familiar with the contest. You know how it works, right? Yep. Okay. So the timer will begin after I ask you the first question. You get a question right. We're just moving on to the next one so that we can get through all these questions quickly and get you $1,000. If you're ready to go, let's right. begin. How do you spell dog? D-O-G. Name a play written by William Shakespeare. Romeo and Juliet. What legendary DJ is heard on WABC Saturday nights from 6 to 10? Cousin Brucie. Athens is the capital of which country? Greece. Who starred in the Ace Ventura movies Liar Liar and The Mask? Uh, Jim Carrey. Who was the mayor of New York City before Rudy Giuliani? Uh, before Giuliani. Before Giuliani up. Dinkin. What Jeopardy contestant has won the most games? Uh, I don't know. The Ken Jennings. Who was the only president to also serve as a Supreme Court justice? Oh, uh, man. Come on, Frank. Uh, the only president to serve as a Supreme Court justice. Um... 
Um, uh, John Adams. Uh, no, unfortunately. I knew it. You did very well. You did very well. You got seven right, uh, and you uh, lost on number eight. And, you know, the presidential tra- questions, You keep in mind, you always have a one out of 44 chance, uh, because, yeah, or I, one I, out of 45 chance. Um, the that answer, just so one. you know, is William Howard Taft. Uh, yeah, that's a hard one, Frank. It is hard. I'll tell you. It is hard. You did great, though. Hey, let's see yeah. um, if you would have gotten question number nine. Um, and let's see how close you would have got. Uh, Question number nine. And again, I want to make clear you're, you, you lost. You did not win the thousand dollars. Um, this is just for fun. Who named the Pacific Ocean? Uh, the Pacific Ocean. Who named it? I don't know. Some Greek god, probably. No, well, okay. Well, so you uh, wouldn't have won uh, with that. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, give Avery your, uh, your, your information and we're going to send you a consolation prize. Hopefully, uh, you, you have a better relationship with Avery than Joe from Ronkonka and I seem to. But, um, by the way, if you want a shirt or a hat or any kind of merchandise from this show, go to WABCRadioStore.com. That's WABCRadioStore.com, and you can purchase all sorts of cool The Other Side of Midnight gear. Shirts, mugs, blankets, hats. And they're always adding more stuff. So if you go to WABCRadioStore.com, you can search Murano or The Other Side of Midnight, and you can see some of the new merchandise we're constantly adding on there. You could purchase some. If you purchase some and use the keyword uh, Frank15, then you'll save 15% off. So that's nice. Frank15. And what I really like for people to do is share the photos of them using the other side of midnight gear. Uh, we had one gentleman, I believe his name was John who posted a photo of him at no, oh, excuse me, Frank, Frank, Frank Fiore, who posted a photo of him with my shirt on at a hot dog joint in Fairlawn, hot dog all the way at Johnny and hangs in Fairlawn, New Jersey, Frank Morano, if you're ever out this way, try it. You know, my friend Kevin McCullough, who was in the ping pong tournament, who I beat in the first round because I gave him a pretty stiff martini before the first round, he lives over there. So maybe uh, I'll say I'll go with Kevin. We'll check it out. But what he did is he posted a, a photo of himself wearing our shirt in the Facebook group. That's what I'd love. I'd love for you guys to tweet, Facebook, Instagram, photos of yourself wearing our shirt or posted in the Facebook group so it gets other people excited about it. They're very nice shirts, too. They really are. I, I'm going to order some gear this week. Um, all right. So it's WABCRadioStore.com to order your shirt. And the page to share it on is to just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. Now, I will tell you, every day... I receive an email from someone that listens to every segment of this show. Now, I'm not going to – this person prefers to remain anonymous. And I would always say to this person, why don't you take all this work that you're clearly – and all this thought that you're putting into this show and just post these same comments in the Facebook group? Rather than just address them to me, because that's what I like to do with the Facebook group, get people talking, 
get people discussing the show. So it's like almost like the show never ends. So when I leave the air at five, everybody in the Facebook group can continue discussing all those same issues. Uh, For instance, today, somebody might say, well, Frank did a show without any guests today. Do we like that better? Do we like that worse? Do we like that occasionally? And, you know, have a comment about that. So this guy not only emails me, but he's taken to emailing management whenever a podcast isn't uploaded or something's going on. And, you know, a lot of times his emails are helpful. Because a lot of times it's only through his email that we know there's something wrong with a podcast or something else. So uh, I read the emails. Sometimes they're helpful. Most of the time they're basically just his opinion on whatever I'm doing right or wrong. And now Molly, when she was here, she asked me, are you actually this person? She thought I was this person emailing criticism of the show every day. I said, Molly, of course not. Why would I be that person? Okay. Last week, I have a phone call 530 in the morning with our boss, Chad Lopez, Chelo. He calls me and he writes to this guy who wrote to him and he said, hey, give me a call. And he gives him his personal number. The guy that the the emailer we'll call him um, we'll call him John Doe, John Doe, John Doe Mail. We'll call him. So John Doe Mail writes back to Chad and says, "No, there's no need for us to speak by phone." Now, Chad calls me up the other day, five thirty in the morning, and says. Are you John Doe Mail? So now, not only do both Molly, does Molly think that I'm John Doe Mail, but Chad thinks I'm John Doe Mail. I said, Chad, why would you think I'm John Doe Mail? You don't even respond to my emails when I send you them. Why would I assume that if I cloak myself in the in the veil of anonymity, that all of a sudden... Now you would you would think that. so now this whole conspiracy theory has developed where there's all sorts of people that work here or worked here that think I'm the one emailing criticism of the station, which I'm not. But apparently I made the comment last week that Curtis was acting like I have the ability to get shows renamed I said, no, I'm the low man down on the totem pole. I have to make suggestions anonymously. I said it flippantly as like a joke because we have a suggestion box, an electronic suggestion box, and you have the option to either give put your name on it or to do it anonymously. And I guess I said at one point, um, I'm making suggestions anonymously. So because I said that, he now thinks I'm John Doe male. Now he says he doesn't, but I feel like he still does. So that's what I'm dealing with. Uh, I'm not into this anonymous communication. Even with my phone conversation with um, Mr. Asaf, 
the other day where we talked about Section 230 and then he had his book about the importance of anonymous speech. I'm all for protecting the right of anonymous speech, especially when it comes to whistleblowers. But if you're going to actually give criticism of a radio station and suggest different things and point out people's shortcomings, you should put your name on it so that you're not ruining someone else's reputation. So that's my two cents. That's where I am. Uh, 800-848-WABC. Hey, we'll do 15 seconds of fame next. We'll give you an opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Side of Midnight is the great Andy B with his theme song for our program, one of the two that we're using on a daily basis. We're going to do 15 seconds of fame in a minute. Uh, just uh, call in and be heard for 15 seconds. Currently, two open lines, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, if you want to stay in touch, if you didn't get through on the phones today, or if you listen via the podcast. By the way, we want everyone to subscribe to the podcast. Just go to your favorite podcast app and search The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hey, by the way, I, I meant to mention this on Friday when I was talking about Mike Tyson. Recently, I watched an interview that Mike Tyson did many years ago with Michael K. Do you know what Mike Tyson's favorite movie is? I've actually never seen this film. I'm embarrassed to say. Mike Tyson's favorite film is The Other Side of Midnight. A movie from the 70s based on the novel. How neat is that? It's interesting, isn't it? All right. Uh, this is The Other Side of Midnight. It is time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. 800-848-9222. Fred is in Yonkers. Hey, Frank, good morning. I love the banter between you and Curtis. The shtick. May it last as long as I miss Charles with a Thanksgiving invitation. Neil on Staten Island. Yeah, the Price is Right gave away a ping pong table. It was over 800 bucks. So I'm thinking, you probably make it 600 an hour, but you don't want Curtis to know because Johnny Cat says it will come out of your end of the year for a race. <laughs> Anthony and Edison. 
Mike in New Rochelle. Frank Curtis was so repetitive and boring this weekend. He put five callers to sleep, and those are the highlights of the show. They should rename it Take a Snooze with Sliwa. 800-848-9222. Leo on the Upper West Side. Yeah, Frank, uh, I know you're tired, too. I'm working all night long, uh, but then we're going to find tomorrow time to kick up. Uh, I, I, I texted you through the Instagram some infos on the kid. Thank you. Mike in New Jersey. Morning, Frank. Frank, I was going to use uh, Curtis as my name, but I was afraid you wouldn't take my call. So best for Molly in her future. She was a great uh, call screen. Thank you very much. Agreed. Hey, uh, that slams lit on things for today. The WABC Early News with Deb Valentine is next. Frank Moreno, good day.